Let's take it to the edge. Let's get deflected. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. All right, three, two, one, go. Hey, guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives. And this is the Knife Perspective, number 006. Uh, go to hell. <laughs> zero, 006, huh? Oh, Kaboom. <laughs> you know what? Me and Mr. Peabody just got back from the, uh, the Wayback Machine. I'm, I, I'm a little off. It could also be the really powerful pain meds, but either way, this is going to be one of the more entertaining shows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got some uh, uh, Knob Creek smoke maple in my new fancy highball glass. So uh, I, there you go, I, listeners. I am a little, uh, I'm a little envious of your Riddell. Yeah. Riddell, Riddell, Riddell. I'm going to go with Riddell. That sounds fancier. Yeah. I, so I, I only. I only knew a they did. Ball. That's a low ball, dude. Low ball? Yeah. High ball is like, like a water glass height. That's oh. a low ball. Low ball. Yeah. All righty. Um, yeah, I didn't know they made uh, kind of glasses like that. I pretty much only knew them for wine and everything. So apparently they sell them at Target and uh, Mason that's... or uh, Williams and Sonoma where my wife's aunt got them for me. That's pretty awesome. I am enjoying my Heritage Belvedere Vodka, which I was super excited as a gift. Beth worked with the uh, the owners of, uh, I think it's 49 Package, our, our local purveyor of fine alcoholic spirits. And it's really hard to find. It's uh, Spalted Rye Vodka. Spalted I, Rye? What's yeah, Spalted Rye? Malted, sorry, Malted Rye. <laughs> okay. Well, no, you know what? Now I'm going to have to check the bottle. Hang on. Yeah, so since Dan is away. Yeah, Dan, the dyslexic's kicked in. It is malted rye. Malted? You're, yeah. You were thinking spalted maple. Yeah. The heritage, huh? Nice. Yeah. You, get, um, you get all the good stuff. Man, I stumbled onto it like two years ago and then could not find it. And apparently it's just, they don't, just don't make a lot. Because it is, I like it because it really reminds me of like really good moonshine from when I was a kid. It's, it's white liquor, but it's got some, it's got some good flavor. It's not the heavy corn that you get sometimes, but there's, it, it's good, clean vodka, but it's got flavor to it. Um, so there's a little bit of the Wayback Machine, a little little nostalgia for me, but it's hard to find. Okay. Beth, God lover worked with my, uh, my spirits angel and, uh, managed to find, I'm not gonna lie. She, I don't know what she's doing and I don't care because she bought me a case of this stuff and I am going to be Ooh. happy for quite a while. Nice. Wait. I'm not, or I, I haven't, uh, don't drink a ton of vodka, but might have to, uh, make it your way sometime. Yeah. Come on down. 
this is really all I should have to tell you, but it was a brutal 63 degrees today. Uh, it was 50, it was 57 here. I haven't had to, <laughs> I haven't had to shovel my driveway in seven years. <laughs> uh, I had the joy of shoveling my freshly paved driveway. Oh, yeah. Now, or, uh, I, the most I've shoveled is three quarters of an inch. So that's well, all. Yeah. You know, there is an upside to global warming. <laughs> uh, we get all of our snow January, February. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a they give it to you at the end, don't they? Yeah, we don't. Or uh, Chicago. I'm not exactly sure, but we don't usually get a very much snow uh, in December occasionally. But seems like most all the snow usually comes January, February. So yeah, the other side of the lake's getting hammered though. My, uh, yeah. my, my time in the, the frozen wasteland of uh, Pennsylvania, nothing against the people. They are phenomenal. I love them. Why they haven't figured out that there's a whole part of the country where you don't have to shovel snow. I don't know, but some of us like the snow. I yeah, like the snow. You know, the great thing about America is you have the freedom to be as wrong as you want to be. I don't have to deal with hurricanes and that, that I'll shovel snow for many, many, many years to not have to deal with one of those eh, little flooding. <laughs> you might have to go up to the second story You drink some punch. You hang out. It's not that bad. Yeah. Fishing's good off the back porch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, but it would uh, start snowing like late October, early November. And then I wouldn't see grass for another nine months, nine months. Yeah, I mean, we really did. It, everybody kept saying it was the freak year, but after two freak years in a row, I wasn't hanging around to find out. But yeah. we really would get three to four months of being able to see the grass. Huh. We get, uh, we always don't see the grass like probably three or four months. Yeah. That's why you should come to Chicago. Okay. <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> yes, but hear me out. <laughs> yeah. You got any you got any resolutions for or things you're wanting to do for 2023, Dan? Um, I'm going to put heal both emotionally and physically. Um, <laughs> you got that penile reduction surgery? I did. Um, and I'm, I'm a little worried about the scarring. Um, I man, everything was going great, and then the Sears robot catalog came to came, and I. I it just fell open to the lingerie section, and I've got to go back. I think I broke a stitch. <laughs> oh, yeah! You had uh, a surgery on your uh, shoulder. Yeah, another rotator cuff repair, and they uh, can't remember if the term is loosened. Uh, they took, you know, there's two uh, ligaments, tendons. I always get the two confused. Tendon comes off the muscle, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's two tendons for the bicep and I tore the, the one off of the major muscle group in the bicep last year. And this year, um, just my shoulder was kind of locked up. So they took the, the one for that minor group in the bicep and moved it down a little bit and it's going to loosen up the shoulder. Okay. Um, assuming that I haven't done anything stupid and, uh, pulled free of that anchor. Um, I have been sentenced to carry the idiot ball in my, my left hand for the next month. 
It's about the size of a tennis ball. And we finally figured out if I'm holding that in my hand, I can't grab anything else. <laughs> and that seems to be the only way to keep me from using my left hand. Nice. Um, but, um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to be legitimate for a minute. I have, I have got a couple of things I'm working on around business. Um, I kind of ran this as a semi-successful hobby business while the kids were, uh, while the kids were in the house, because being a dad came first, but the kids are out of the house. So this is, this is the year that I'm going to start really trying to run Dogwood as a business. I hired a bookkeeper, uh, working on getting a, an a part-time assistant because we finally established I have no business running the front of the house and uh, am going to actually put some energy into to growing Dogwood. Awesome, man. Good. I'm excited Ooh. for you. Yeah. Well, you inspired me, Kyle. <laughs> How'd I inspire you? Man, you took the big step. You, you, you've branched out. You're doing knives and knife-related products. And yeah. you, you're making a go at it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's been really nice this past uh, half a year having the boys in school. That's made a, a huge difference in being able to get product made and things like that. Having having like five or six good hours uh, without anybody bugging me has been good. So one of the things I want to do for this coming year is I want to venture into Chicago more and start talking to some of those chefs. Yep. So hopefully I can uh, make some more of those connections and want to try to do that. But uh, yeah, the, the knife you... center order that we talked about a few shows ago that uh, pretty much all sold out. I haven't checked to see they had a few left. Uh, but Knife Center just ordered a bunch more knives, so, and then some more bushcrafters that I'm super excited to for people to try. That's one of my one of my favorites too. That's outstanding, and if you can keep your consistency, mm -hmm. I mean that's for those big retailers. That's that's gold for them if they can count on you to have product every couple of months. Yeah, that makes them super happy. The one thing I'm not super happy about is it's all still in Magna Cut, so. <laughs> 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 but uh it's gonna be some excellent hates you it's gonna be some excellent steel for all the all the guys out there so um actually i do i'm sorry to hijack but i just remember there is something i need to mention what's that uh if you have tr been trying to get a hold of me and your emails are getting bounced i apologize the company that hosted my email quit supporting that um option and didn't tell me. So during the holidays, I noticed that I couldn't log into email and I am now working on recovering 10 years worth of uh, email data and getting access to my email. I have been assured that we'll have it handled by Friday. So hopefully by the time people hear this podcast, they'll know why that their emails got, got bounced. Side note, don't trust the big company to do all your backups. You might want to have that somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yep. Learn some lessons the hard way. And that seems to be the only way. <laughs> 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 yeah. When we were, when we switched over all the hosting stuff for the cage daily and knife perspective website, like it's so much faster, so much better. Sometimes, sometimes companies just decide to just, not not keep up with updating their stuff i guess so 
Yeah, and I've got, I mean, man, I'm a, I pretend to be a businessman. I get it. Like if there's something in your portfolio that's not making you money, cut it loose. But hey, man, you know, do a brother a favor. Give me at least a couple of days notice so I can paste and copy. I can migrate some stuff over. I can maybe find a new hosting company. They probably gave you 24 hours notice and you just never saw it before they shut it off. Because I couldn't log in. <laughs> <laughs> Later, loser. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that is a a big pain in the butt when switching. Because that with our host, that was the new new email host. I had to copy over all the the emails and stuff. It was a big pain. Um, and I've I've got to admit, a little bit of the delay is is on me. And like, I'm okay. I do stupid stuff. I, I'm okay with that, but there's just certain su- stupid stuff that really bothers me. And one of the issues I had was when I was setting up the new account, I typoed uh, my temporary email address. I reversed the A and the I in mail, um, which caused the new account that I tried to set up to freeze. It took the company like three days to realize there was an issue and finally to respond. My fault. I mean, I, I, I made the typo, but man, that's one of those ones that just burns my ass. Like it's, there's something about the, the whole dyslexia thing. And it's almost like if you're, if you're wrestling and a guy just straight up beat you, like he beat me, I can deal with that. But man, if your shoe came untied and he got a cheap takedown and you lost, like that's the one that burns you. Yeah. Yeah, I fully admit that it was my fault, but for some reason when it's the little the little things like that, it it cuts twice as deep for me. Yeah. Um so yesterday I had a pretty pretty impressive tantrum. Like usually I don't want people to see my emotional outburst, but I, I really think the world was cheated by not having that recorded. Um, I got a text message. You, you did. And that was probably one of the more honest text messages I've sent in a long time. Uh, yeah. You got anything else we want to want to talk about our sponsors real quick? Uh, we really should since, you know, the, the whole ones fit in the bill. Although I'm going <laughs> to shout out to David Anderson for his uh, Sovlum Probler t- uh, baseball cap he sent me. Okay. Um, apart from it's just one of the most damn things I've ever owned. It is amazing. Every time I have worn it out, at least one person has kind of done the double take. And like, oh, shit. I thought my dyslexia was kicking in. It really says that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, man, if we untie, the world can't stand. <laughs> but it, nice. it's been, it, it's been kind of cool. The number of people that are like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was the dyslexia. You too? <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're more more than you would you would think, I think. Yeah, and apparently as soon as one of us is willing to admit it, then it's a little easier for everyone else. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I give, give Anderson a lot of credit too, because he called me. He's like, dude, I saw the funniest hat, and I think it's you. And I think it's hilarious, but I, I just want to check. I'm not sure if it's offensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's very few things that offend me. So, well, and I had to be honest. I'm like, 
No, from you, it's funny. I mean, if you were a stranger, we'd be throwing fists right now. But from <laughs> you, it's, it's funny. You know me. We're cool. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. Let's get into the money. The Benjamins. Yep. Yep. The cheddar. The cheese. Because as we spoke about earlier, it is all about the money. <laughs> Caught you mid-sip, didn't I? That's, that's so much my server training kicking in. I thought you were. I thought you were doing the first one. Oh, you only jump. You 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 always like to go first. Yeah, but you've never respected that before. <laughs> Come on, wow. New Year, New Kyle. This is awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, I want to give a shout out to some of our dealers. I want to particularly start off with Old Town Cutlery. Old Town Cutlery for all of your cutlery needs. Side note: If you can dyslexic i.e. somehow misspell Old Town Cutlery and not get to their website, I think they give you a t-shirt or something. They've got a prize because it's just not going to happen. You throw in Old Town Cutlery, however it sounds, you're going to get to their website. And when you get there, you're going to find out that the two greatest things about that website is they carry Dogwood Custom Knives and KH Daily Knives. Woo! They're also a sponsor of the podcast. Thank you oh, guys yeah. for the. That, that pause told me that I was forgetting something. I just wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> They're also a sponsor of the podcast. And uh, if you use KP10 at Old Town Cutlery, you can get 10% off all the items they sell. They have got stuff. Wait, all of them? Yeah. So even like the super collectible antique slip joints and. I mean, give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> Worst thing they can do is say no and, and block your account. Yeah. So, yeah, they got all sorts of stuff. Knife making supplies, epoxy, all sorts of stuff. So, and then all the, all the um, production makers. So make sure you give them a, give them a look before you, uh, you buy some of that stuff. And then buy custom. <laughs> the bike custom. <laughs> uh, also want to thank one of our sponsors, Phoenix Abrasives, and you can use discount code KP10 on all your orders there. In one of our shout outs down below, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it, but uh, they carry all sorts of Rhino Wet products or all the Indasa products. And yeah, use yourself, use your code KP10 to get a discount on all your abrasives there. And uh, the shop rolls have really been working for me. Um, it's been super efficient, uh, saving on time, a little less wastage. I didn't see them in their shop area. So be sure to email them one so you can get them. And two, if enough of us annoy them, they'll finally put them in the, the shop area mm-hmm. and then you don't have to email them. Yeah. They're redoing their website. I talked to Greg and, uh, there might be some radius sanding sticks on their website, oh. uh, in this coming year. So uh, and, and and who would those be from? Would be from me, KH Daily Knives. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. big money! Yeah, so we're gonna try to try to get some of the sanding buddies on their website. So, and that'll go along with the uh, the paper that I was talking about. Are gonna mention down in the shout out. So, yeah, they got a, a a product that I was unknown that they that was even sold by Indasa. So, ooh, yeah, it's new to you. Yeah, I never. Never knew that it existed. So apparently it's big in the auto body realm, but apparently knife makers don't don't really know about it. So Ooh, I'm intrigued. I'm going to listen to the rest of the podcast just to find out what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then we want to thank Atlas Materials. 
they have all sorts of crazy fiber rods in stock, all sorts of new uh, colors and combos and everything. Make sure you give Dan and Natasha a uh, look at Atlas Materials. And if you want to call, great at uh, making sure that they have uh, all the things that you need. So any any type of uh, phenolic, any type of G10, Crazy Fiber, Juma, all that stuff is available there. Yeah, and they have been, they've saved me, man, recently. I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but there's some materials that are getting hard to find. They're just not there. And they have been great about being able to find some some volume when I needed it. Very cool. Want to do Jantz? Um, is Jantz up now? Oh, oh, you know what? I, I see it now. I was down in dealers and we we're in sponsors. Yeah, I, I get that now. Whew. Right there. Thank you. Yeah, you highlighted <laughs> it. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, wow. And there's a discount code too for Jantz. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to thank Jantz, uh, one of our sponsors. Also, I'm sure y'all have heard me talk about it, that in my early days when I was buying ones and twos and threes, they were amazing because they carry a huge selection and you can buy just one set, two sets. You can play around with different materials. They also have some blade kits. They're kind of cool. You can you can get the blade. You can get the handle. You can You can dip your little toe into knife making. And then the silky will come up, grab you, pull you underwater, and ten thousand dollars later, you'll have a really expensive garage or more. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to bright side this. <laughs> come on, be a knife maker. <laughs> Sweet. Now that you quit your job and you're committed, I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, but if you use the uh, the discount code KP Grip. It will it'll help facilitate that 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 transition into full time knife maker. It will move you in from a dabbler to a full on junkie of the fine blade arts. And that KP grip is on all handle materials, so definitely check them out for all sorts of things, not just uh, handle material. But they've got lots of good things. I bought some Cant Twist clamps recently from there. So I'm sorry, what Cant Twist clamps? They're uh almost like a C-clamp, except they tighten differently so we, they don't spin. We talked about this on the last one. Yeah, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> you, I was talking to you on the last oh, one you recorded. Yeah, well, with I me. don't listen to you either. <laughs> you, you were going to give me crap, and then I gave you an engineering response of why it doesn't twist. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm just pretending now. I don't remember. I'm going to have to go back and listen now. I, was it late in the podcast? Because I was drinking on the last one. No, it was early. Oh, okay. I got no excuse. Pain pills. That's it. You know, I'm using pain pills. That's my excuse. Gotcha. Uh, And then for dealers, like Dan mentioned at the beginning of the show, Old Town Cutlery is the finest purveyor of Dogwood Custom Knives and Cage Daily Knives. And you can also find uh, both of our knives at Knife Center, one of our dealers. And uh, they've been great with with my first round of selling. Uh, David Anderson said some amazing things in the knives of the week about the pocket bush crafter and dan's uh kep art that he had in cpm 154 so make sure you check out uh, our knives there you can also find dan's knives at the cook station and blade hq two places that are amazing uh i don't think cook station sells online do they unfortunately they do not 
But if you are in the Greenville area, passing through the Greenville area, or thinking about coming to the Greenville area, uh, they are a phenomenal. So, I mean, they sell kitchen knives because, I mean, I'm here. Why would you not? But if you need a left-handed vegetable peeler, or if you need a bright blue Le Croissant pan, you can find all of that at Cook Station. Lake Croissant, not Lake Croissant. I mean, if you're if you're an uneducated heathen, it might be that, <laughs> pecans, <laughs> which are what go into a pecan pie. Yeah, this is known. <laughs> and then uh, our la- or the last doer, Northside Cutlery, uh, Kevin Silverman in the Chicagoland area. He's near Wrigley Field. If you are in the Chicagoland area and you don't. Uh, you can't make it out to the western suburbs where I am to get your knives sharpened. Uh, Kevin does an excellent job there at Northside Cutlery. So check him out. And uh, the Blade HQ has got the fish and fowl knives right now. But uh, the next batch, uh, as soon as I've got two hands, the the next batch of kitchen knives are going to them. Nice. Hey, that's it. Oh, look at Grumpy. Oh, <laughs> shit. we can't say the name yet. <laughs> I mean, some people have probably figured out with the whole grunting and being grumpy thing, but <laughs> let's not let the cat out of the bag just yet. Uh, and then for Guild Watch slash Knife Shows, it's pretty much just Knife Shows in there right now. Uh, Spirit of the Blade is coming up March 3rd and 4th in Troy, Ohio. Uh, you can see such great knife makers as Jess Hoffman and Clarence DeYoung there. You can also get in touch with Knife Rights, Doug Ritter, and many, many more. So the Instagram account, Spirit of the Blade, or Spirit underscore of underscore the underscore Blade, uh, will be linked in the show notes to check that out. And the Badger Show is right on the heels of that in Janesville, Wisconsin, March 24th through 26th. And uh, most of the Midwest Knife Makers Guild will be there at that show. So uh, Jess Hoffman, Clarence DeYoung, Peter Martin, Corey Martin, uh, all those guys are going to be there. Uh, I believe Frank Grissom's going to have a table there again. And yeah, should be a good time. And uh, we almost, but we didn't because uh, I'm not going to say me, but somebody uh, reminded you that uh, Blade Show uh, Texas is going to be March 17th through the 18th. Are you going to be there? Um, my intent is to be there um, as a, um, what is it when you're not an exhibitor? I guess you're a spectator. An and it, I'll be there as an attendee between surgery and a couple other things going on. There was just no way I could get ready for the show. Yeah. But it is my intent to, to go show my face. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of miss those days. Uh, my first five blade shows or so I was uh, an attendee and, there's some some nice stuff being in front of the table, not behind the table. You know, it, it, I only got one Blade Show, um, Blade Show East, Blade Show Atlanta as an attendee, and it was nice because I actually got to see everything at the show. Or as much, well, I guess it was a lot smaller back then. So Yeah, you could do it all in a day back then. Yeah. And you, you can pick out all sorts of, <clears throat> you can pick out all sorts of handle material and different stuff there too. Um, you could, although there was at that time, 
the the materials manufacturers hadn't really figured out what a market was there. So it, it not at all like the show is now. There was um I'm talking about in Texas. Oh yeah, Texas. Hell yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I know uh uh sorry, text message. <laughs> I, I know uh, Tom Crine said there was uh, a couple good suppliers for stag there. I know how much you love doing that, working with that. <sighs> There's not enough love, but there is enough money for me to do antler, bone, or horn. <laughs> oh, All right. I, I don't know how people do that stuff, man. My shop, my shop stinks of burnt hair for three days. But it, it, I will do it, but just know up front, you are going to pay the inconvenience cost for me to smell burnt hair for three days. Yeah. Well, like Stephen Fowler told you, put your big girl panties on. <laughs> or hear me out. Plan B charge so much for it that they'll use something that I want to work with. <laughs> Occasionally I don't shoot high enough to get some of my, some of my custom stuff to uh, just say, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, it's like, it was like training my kids. If I made what they wanted to do miserable enough, they would just do what I wanted to do. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, here. Nice. <laughs> so you got a You got a good shout out. You got like a whole paragraph written, written here. I, I do. Cause you know, when it comes to coffee, I don't. Oh no, I've only said it once. I, I got another one before. Uh, Actually, before I think you're on like three or four. Do I really? Yeah. Man, this just sticks out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, De Espresso Libre. I think, man, it's been at least five years that I've been using these guys. Uh, they are some former and possibly current. I don't ask too many questions. Special Forces guys up in Washington that... They've been traveling the country or the world, had coffee in fun and exciting places and realized they wanted to have that kind of quality of coffee back home. They do single source. They do blends. They are really phenomenal guys that make really phenomenal coffee. Great customer service. And it is an alternative to to Black Rifle Coffee. And I, I bring this up only because uh, Black Rifle was sold and the new owners are not necessarily perfectly aligned with the old owners and some people have had an issue. And I'm going to be honest, Express, the Espresso Libre's coffee is better than Black Rifle. Like I'm, I said it, fight me, do whatever you want, but your coffee's under-caffeinated and doesn't taste good, so I'm going to win. Um. So if you want great coffee and support great guys, or if you've been drinking Black Rifle and you don't like the direction they've gone and you want to support somebody else, the, these are the guys to go to. I've, I've had a couple of their blends. I've had a couple of different roasts. I've never had a bad cup, cup of coffee from them. Nice. As a non-coffee drinker, I will take whatever suggestion you put out there. <laughs> Just need the caffeine, man. Hey, you know, if I could mainline it, I would. But you <laughs> nice. get awkward looks on the train, so I, I just drink coffee. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, so, side note, but 
Beth used to drink the the evil the evil liberal liberal coffee, uh, and I had switched over to to these guys, the Espresso Libre. Didn't tell her, and my consumption to order ratio got a little off, and I had run out, and I just ran through some four bucks because that's what we had. And uh, I was in the bathroom with the door locked, with my feet wedged against it, with my laptop, putting in an emergency order because Beth wanted to know what kind of pond water swill I'd been serving her and was ready to gouge my eyes out with a spoon. (laughs) Nice. The coffee is noticeably better from these guys. Um, They were also really cool and next day aired me a pound of coffee to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, my wife likes, uh, there's a brewery in uh, the Western suburbs here, two brothers that started roasting some of their own coffee beans and she really likes uh, their coffee. So um, I should probably also throw out that they do K cups as well. Oh, um, so uh, back from the teaser a little bit earlier, uh, Lawrence Lake from Maritime Knife Supply uh, contacted me about this Indasa uh, product called Rhino Stick. Have you heard of this? It, it is new to me, and I'm a little upset that I haven't heard about it. So it's uh, two and three quarters of an inch wide, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, and it comes on like 50 yard rolls. Uh-huh. And apparently the auto body industry uses it a bunch for their big sanding blocks. So yeah. it has pre-adhesive on the backside. So you can Ooh. pull pull it off and stick it to whatever sanding stick you decide to use. Um, from my say whatever stick you decide to use. Like, yeah. No matter the shape or the texture. The uh, to it. Yeah. So uh, I used it on my sanding buddy. That seems to work really well. Uh, you don't have to use the double sided tape and kind of rip it. Um, like I was doing it before. Um, gives it a little bit better uh, for that, I think. And then when I was trying to use it on my flat sticks, uh, I just, it just seemed to take too long to peel and unpeel to really make that one uh, work. I, I pinch it most of the time, but what it really works well for is uh, when you're kind of doing the bolster area and you're really trying to like uh, do uh, really precise strokes. Yeah, that works really well. And then it works extremely good for uh, sticking it on your stick and flattening those little pins. uh, If you get any doming on your pins. So I talked to Greg at Phoenix abrasives. He said they sell it. Uh, they have it. Nobody in the knife industry ever asked for it. Uh, but he assured me that on their new. Didn't tell us we could ask for it. <laughs> well, I didn't even know it existed. So <laughs> you don't know to ask for something that isn't, you don't know about, but uh, Phoenix abrasive is redoing their website. So they're, they're going to be updating and redoing a whole bunch of stuff here coming. So definitely check them out. I, I'm intrigued. I, a lot of my uses, I won't use the adhesive back, but. I really like rhinos. I mean, when I was buying sheet goods, that's what I liked. So, I mean, it's basically a shop roll with the value added of it's got sticky on the back if you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely check check that out. So, yeah, I was I was very very happy with it for certain applications. And then I wanted to give a shout out to one of the knife community that can use some uh, real support. Neil Warren of Maximus Knives, he's had a lot of life situations happen recently, 
and he is now doing knife making full time. So uh, to help with his family and everything. So give Neil some more and give Neil Warren some love. Uh, he has this really cool product he's selling now to hold your stamp when you're hot stamping out of the forge. Uh, it goes in the hardy hole of your anvil and then it holds the oh. holds the stamp so you can position it under there and whack it with the hammer. Uh, so you, a little less cumbersome to like try to hold everything. I, I saw a video and it's nice if you guys like me, if you're if your hammer's not dead on, the advantage is you can get it lined up exactly where you want it. Yeah. I still prefer to electro etch and what I really want is a laser, but uh I'd still need like four yeah. grand more to buy yeah. a laser. Yeah, I also want to be six feet tall. Well <laughs> I think I might get a laser before you become six feet tall, so <laughs> yeah <laughs> the laser keeps creeping higher and higher on my list as the prices on those keep coming down they're uh i got a quote for forty two hundred dollars for a 50 watt laser so uh god i want you yeah. to get a laser so bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah but uh frank grissom one of the guys that i know has been letting me borrow his or uh laser so that's been awesome thank you frank for that remember to pay that stuff forward when when you get yours yeah <laughs> i'll try um and then i also wanted to give two podcasts a shout out uh that i've been listening to a lot lately yeah. and i've actually was on the work for it podcast uh i think i've forgotten to mention that i was on it with how our shows came out uh but yeah brian brian and ben of the work for it podcast those guys are uh awesome thank you guys for all you do and giving us some giving us some camaraderie in the shop and stuff listening and then uh dan i know you love dungeons and dragons uh this one is one that you might uh might like i'm, I'm more of a dungeons and mommies kind of guy i, I gotta admit <laughs> so uh or milfs the uh the the knife making sharpening group that i uh am friends with up here in chicagoland told me about this one i'm actually uh, clicking on it right now uh it's called dungeons and daddies and it is a uh it's a series about four dads flung into a world flung into a land of high fantasy and magic in a quest to rescue their lost sons so in the first season i've i've like eight or nine episodes in it's just completely hilarious. The guys do a great job with it. There's one girl that thinks she has like has like nailed a dad accent. It's totally <laughs> not. And uh but yeah, they're, they're super funny. funny. Yeah, so yeah. they're they're all taking or the four dads are taking their uh kids to a soccer mat or soccer game and they end up going through a portal and the kids are separated from them and the dads try to find them. And uh they're all trying to figure out their powers and what to do and all the stuff. And it's just hilariously funny. If, if somebody says a dad joke in character, uh, all the other dads have to take a D for a damage, uh, just super, super funny stuff with, uh, lots of mechanics that are really funny. I, I'm down and this is perfect timing. Cause I've already blown my audible budget for the year. Yeah. Uh. There's like probably 50 ish episodes. So, uh, Perfect. there's quite a few. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm down. I just saved it. 
<laughs> yeah, I listened to the first one and was like hooked. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, turning me on to that one. Okay, now we get to dive into the the whole cryptic. I, I got to be honest, especially for uh, for the amount of prep time I had, I was pretty I was pretty impressed with my my intro. A lot of y'all didn't get it, but you know what? I'm gonna throw it out there. Uh, I I was a little grumpy and I grunted, which leads us to Grumpy Grunt, my current favorite uh, YouTube personality. <laughs> wow, I appreciate that, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. How are you doing tonight, Grumpy? Uh, doing pretty good tonight, guys. Uh, great to see you. Two of my two favorite personalities in the knife maker end of the knife community. So I uh, awesome to see you. Thanks for inviting me to come on, guys. Yeah. We're, First, uh, we're I mean, you had me on once. Kyle's been on twice, but you know, I've just been cool. on once. Oh, you have? No, oh, oh shit! I like Grumpy better again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't, and if I didn't tell you while you're off convalescing with your shoulder and stuff, you're welcome to come on. You're both of you are welcome to come on the the lives anytime you want. You're, oh, you know, you want to come? You, you give me the time and the place. I'll show up every Thursday, six thirty p.m. Eastern. All right. Same, same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah, when I when I was on, I uh, actually jumped back on and watched you for a little bit. I couldn't believe that I had put the boys to bed and done all the other chores, oh, yeah. and you were still going. So, yeah, especially on nights when I have uh, a guest on, like you two are especially uh, popular in my my community. Um, it tends to bring on a lot of questions once you're gone. So people want to talk about you and what you do and stuff a little bit. You really we'll get know, off into much some stories. Sounded like, or- <laughs> <laughs> well, like we might get off into some stories about, you know, having dinner at, at blade and stuff like that, that, uh, Oh, we talk about, but yeah, we went on for another three hours. <laughs> we, I mean, Damn. like I think you know, when Dan was on, I was about a five and a half hour. So it was about the same amount of time. I yeah. talked both times, but I get all amped up too. At four hours, you're supposed to call the doctor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try and keep it under three. Is where I generally shoot for about three every week. So two to three is what most of the lives generally go. Um, there's another guy who starts, he used to start at eight 30 and he's moved it back to like nine 15, now. So that gives me a three hour block to play with. Um, and I generally just, we just sit there and talk cause there'll be 45, 50 people sitting there just talking as long as I want to talk. So yeah. we just sit there and BS all night. Yeah. As, as long as you've got somebody to read the questions to me, I'm more than happy to be there as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to remember that. Like I have to, I have to remember cause I, I deal with a little bit of dyslexia as well. And uh, so I have to remember to put them up on the screen so that you can see them. Uh, and that'd, that'd uh, be step one. And then also I try and read them out <laughs> to you. That way I have a chance to read them and you can see it too. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I try and, Try and uh, play to my weak points and your weak points and anybody whose weak points comes on. Um, I hate reading, trying to keep up with everything going on over there and still engage you guys. If one of you is on or another guest or something like that, it's a, it's a juggling act. So, yeah, it was, or it's a, I can't imagine doing it all the time live, like pretty glad that this stuff's recorded so we can edit, make us sound even more intelligent. Oh, there's totally a reason we don't do this live. 
And 75% of that reason is me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when people come on, I I warn them, you know, some, some nights it's, it's bang, bang, bang. And some nights I'm in a mood. So you're going to get the occasional F bomb or whatever. And, uh, um, I may be a generally grumpy, but generally everybody puts me in, in a good mood. Uh, I try and be in a good mood before I turn the microphone on and the camera on and, uh, everybody generally comes in and, and, uh, puts me in a great mood. So that's, I have to remember that when on the weeks I'm in a bad mood, I just know that my friends who show up there every week are going to put me in a better mood. And that's the way it is. You know, I want to be a little topsy turvy dogs and cats living together in harmony, just blowing the pattern out here, but I got to get ahead of this. Uh, Would, would you be willing to divulge where grumpy grunt came from? I mean, the, that's a name. It's distinctive. Is is that something you're willing to share with this community? Um, sure. I mean, it's it's just made up. I mean, there's there's no really great story behind. It. I wish it was. I was a uh, grunt in the ring. I was a uh, think it up. I mean, nobody's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I didn't want it to be just my name. Um, so uh, that was out, uh, and I sat around and I thought about things for a while, and as. Um, uh, I served in the Marine Corps uh, reserves as a machine gunner, an M60 gunner back in the day, cool. and uh, so that was that was my MOS. And uh, so I was a grunt, and generally, I'm a fairly disagreeable person. Everybody <laughs> thinks I am this like super nice, always smiling, happy guy, and I try to be that outward facing. Uh, if you ask my roommate, he would tell you, "No, he is one of the grumpiest assholes you will ever meet in your life." <laughs> Um, the, there are probably days he's afraid I'm going to like rip his face off or something. You, you break but, out the uh, knife hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do these dishes look clean to you? I don't think so. <laughs> no, uh, we do, we do our own dishes and all that stuff. So he does his, I do mine, um, all of that. But, uh, I've, I've got this, yeah, my closest friend, Tanner's tape running down. <laughs> Down the middle of the no, yeah. no, it's his house. refrigerator. Um, <laughs> no. Sorry, I digress. Um, no, he uh, it's his house, so he uh, he does whatever he wants. But uh, um, no, uh, so it, that was really it. I was just a Marine Corps grunt, generally a disagreeable person. Uh, love knives, love the outdoors. So uh, I was one foot out the door, ready to go off grid. Then uh, the the Rona hit and. Uh, I'm like uh, sitting around doing nothing now. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm trying to move west. I, I want to live out where there are, are mountains and lakes and trout fishing and all of that. And uh, hear me out. The, no, sto- no snow, gentle hills. <laughs> I've already lived there, Dan. Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten to that part yet, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I've. I, I, um, West went to school West, here. Young man. <laughs> um, I mean, I love I love the Smokies too, but I want to live in the Rockies as well. Um, I mean, there are parts of the Smokies that are that are real ish, but yeah, when you go to Colorado and you see those mountains, um, and you're like, "Holy crap! That's what that's what mountains are 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 like in pictures." Yeah, you know, it turns but, out I really am a tiny speck of dust in the universe. There, there's a lot of that going on in in my life uh, in the past few years. I've been doing a lot of that thinking. So, 
But yeah, during a, uh, Corona, I just, I'm like, I'm bored. I can only do so much. Um, and I'm not going to move across country during this crap. So, uh, why not start a YouTube channel? <laughs> just, uh, <clears throat> Uh, there are so many people in the outdoors community and a couple in the knife community who were just saying, you know, if you want, if this is something you think you want to do, give it a shot. Just try it. The worst thing you can do is fail. And it's, I mean, a little bit of egg on your face at the most. And it's YouTube. No one will life. ever know. It, well, I mean, <laughs> there's a good chance they never would. That's the problem is it is either you aren't known and you just kind of fall into a hole and you never go anywhere or, you you get this slow build, this slow burn to uh, to a certain point, and then it just it seems to take off. So um, I, I I never thought that I'd have more than a couple hundred followers at the most, and I'm I'm delighted that things have gone the way they are. But I'm completely baffled by it too. Yeah. So. The guiding principle for Kyle and I have been do what you want to do and have fun at it. And you know what? If it's our wives and somebody's cousin listening to it. We had fun doing it. If somebody else enjoys listening to our shenanigans, that's great. But chasing followers, that's, that's a dead end. You just got to do what you want to do. And that's pretty much what I do. I look at the numbers and I'm, I'm completely stoked and baffled by, you know, um, the, the followership on YouTube and Instagram. But I mean, that is it. I'm just doing whatever I really want to do. And I'm not paying attention to the YouTube algorithm. I don't care about that. I don't care about the numbers, where they go, what they do. I don't care about, uh, you know, getting a bunch of free knives or anything like that. I, I just want to talk about my knives and gear that I have and enjoy and talk about what's coming. And uh, these things that I see out there in the, the knife world or gear world that intrigue me. And I want to tell people about, and, uh, People seem to show up and want to talk about them. So that's what we do. It, it falls along the line of do what you love and you'll never work. Or you'll work harder than you ever have before. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and go broke. But you're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do seem to spend awesome, it. Yeah. So I do spend an awful lot of money on uh, you know microphones and cameras and lights and crap like that. But yeah. uh, Have you thought about models? Models. Yeah. I mean, it, most nights when I fall asleep. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just, hear me out, like, shave the microphone budget a little bit and go with strippers. You know, <laughs> just two or three episodes. See what happens, man. Just have strippers back here behind me dancing. I'm not like saying yes, Hill but show. I'm definitely not saying no. <laughs> not saying no. <laughs> Kyle, I, I want to have a bit budget discussion. <laughs> I don't think that's in the budget, Dan. Okay. Does Atlas carry brass balls? Okay. When your wife leaves the room. <laughs> All right. Before we get too right. off the rails. Yeah, let's uh, get back on the rails. So, Grumpy, uh, where'd you grow up? Yeah. That's one of the questions we like to, to start with all of our guests. I grew up in uh, central Indiana here, uh, ways north of you, Kyle. But, uh, yeah, just east of Indianapolis in a, a horribly racist little county where uh, the Ku Klux Klan moved after the Civil War. And uh, I've left there. I want to be clear, not of, the South, y'all. Not the South. Not No, no, this is Indiana. <laughs> Sorry. In case I didn't yeah. understand, it's central Indiana. Um, 
yeah, this is uh, it, it feels a lot like some parts of the South in my hometown. But uh, uh, yeah, it just uh, just east of Indianapolis, a uh, small town. Um, this, yeah, just my family's still there. All of them are. I rarely go back unless I have to. But uh, Kennesaw, where I grew up, was one stoplight. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I church it up every so often. And we did technically live in Marietta for a while. So I claim Marietta, you know, depending <laughs> on who I'm talking to. But deep down, I, I was Kennesaw. Yeah, I say Indianapolis because nobody would know my hometown. But uh, um, yeah, just about a half hour east of Indianapolis is where I grew up. And that was my running. Well, that's where I ran and then, uh, you know, signed up for the Marine Corps at 16 um, left when I was 17, five days after I graduated high school to go to boot camp and, uh, just started, you know, doing that, going to school and then, uh, did really poorly at school on my GI bill. So went active duty army after the Marine Corps reserves, uh, spent a few years in Germany and, um, was not a grunt anymore. I was an illustrator, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the most worthless MOS I have ever seen. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not familiar. Was, what is a What does an illustrator do? Uh, I was supposed to be drawing, and okay. uh, when Mister, I don't know what it was. I was going to be drawing at a battalion level in the army, but the uh, handy that's technical manual manual that I got about Mister Hand Grenade, and then he's not <laughs> happy when you pull his pin. So is that well, they, would that be like doing maps and stuff or Well that's what I ended up doing okay. but no a cartographer is um, somebody who's a map specialist is another MOS huh. Yes uh, I worked I worked in uh You're supposed the to be battalion. doing propaganda but we weren't at war so it's hard to do propaganda bomb leaflets There uh yeah, I mean, there was nothing for me to do at battalion. Maybe if I, if they had to put me in at uh, brigade or regiment level, side note, uh, but battalion level. Side note is an E4. That sounds like the finest MOS ever created by God or man. <laughs> A lot of people would have loved it because there was nothing to do. I literally spent, I had my, I'm the only E3 who had a, their own office. Yeah. I worked in the S2, S3 shop. I had my own office. I had I, I spent all my time either in my own office with the door shut, sleeping, or in the vault, where I didn't have a security clearance, mind you, in the vault, handling all of the maps and flash traffic. So, yeah. You, I'm sorry, <laughs> was, you had me was, sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> there was literally nothing to do. My, my unit was full of E5s, E6s, and E7s who were just – waiting to retire. Um, it was, it was my experience in the army was not that good. So that's why I generally just talk about being a Marine. But, uh, I mean, uh, the unit I was in was, was a bit of a joke. I don't even know that they exist anymore. I know our, the, the, the base where I was stationed, it doesn't exist anymore. Well, I would assume that because at different levels, you're fully self-contained. I mean, Mm -hmm especially back in the days before basically the internet mass digital media, you know, every time you wanted to put out a leaflet, uh, every time you wanted to put out a pamphlet, every time you wanted a logo on something, they needed an illustrator. They just happened to be 
not, but not at the not at the battalion level. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. If they put it, if they if that would have been that at a higher reg, like a regiment or brigade level. Yeah, I don't think that I, I probably would have been. But but a battalion, the only thing I did that even remotely in my MOS was uh, design a few options for a new battalion crest. Hey, that was it. Did you consider doing like uh, landscapes or portraits? Portraits would have been money. Um, no. no, I really wasn't that good of an illustrator. That's uh, <laughs> Army uh, strong, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's why when I got there, the first thing they did was they looked at my, you know, my SRB and they're like, oh, you're a Marine, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And it was like, what was your MOS? And I was like, I was an M60 machine gunner. Like, oh, Okay. Well, as an M- as an Here's E3, I'm now in charge. No, as an as an Here's E3, three, I'm, I'm now in charge of. Ba- I'm just now in charge of base defense. Yeah. Give me that pencil. Here's your crayon. Yeah, no, no, I'd eat the cray. I'd eat the crayon. I'd just chew on the pencil. Uh, so they put you in charge of base defense as an E3. Yeah, they put me in charge of base defense because our base defense is a tiny, tiny base in Germany, and uh, the entire base defense was two M60s. <laughs> Was running high so, behind the combat arms. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, run to the run to the armory and tell the armory you, you know you need some help. But uh, yeah, it, was, it was a weird. It was a weird time, and I was not in the right place. So uh, yeah, it was not. It was not pretty. But uh, I learned some things about myself and about the army while I was there, and uh, came back home and started in you know school and all of that and. Uh, that took me eventually uh, went to Purdue for my bachelor's and all of that. And then eventually down to Clemson into Dan's ah. region there for uh, grad school for planning city and regional planning. As we like to call it God's country. <laughs> or as Dan, beautiful or as Dan likes there. to call it. Um, I'll have, you know, my oldest is at Clemson right now. It's a, it's a good school. I like Clemson. It's a pretty area. I, I like the area down there. I liked, uh, Having some of the outdoor stuff to do that you guys have down there, and I like the weather—the sixty-five degrees. You know, playing golf at, at Christmas time and stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't. Suck. I can live with that. I'm not going to lie. No, no, it's not. It's definitely better weather than Indiana, but uh, but yeah. So, you know, jump back onto the tracks because Kyle's sending me all these flash messages. And- Okay. <laughs> I should have taken my Adderall today. I, I don't know. Um, what was the first knife you had? The first knife I had was, I think it was either a one or two blade Craftsman Barlow. Um, you know, the the brown Bakelite handle on the crappy chrome bolster. <laughs> I know it. I know it intimately. Not uh, sexually, that- just intimately. <laughs> Hopefully not. That was probably my first uh, first knife. It was going to be either that or probably a steak knife I stole out of the house and wandered out into the woods with uh, carved on trees and sticks and stuff. So everybody needs a shankerator. Yeah. No, I, I am a solid member of the the two blade Barlow family. That that was the first knife that I cut the bejesus of myself out of. I don't think I ever cut myself with that one. Somehow, I cut myself with almost everything I pick up, even if it's, uh, you know, a fork. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, I, I don't remember, because it would have gotten taken away if I'd have cut myself. If I'd, if I'd have been, you know, dangerous with it, 
then it would have gotten surely taken away from me. Most things got taken away from me. And I got, uh, I got mine. That I'm pretty certain it was Christmas. And the last thing my dad told me when he handed it to me was, you know, always cut away from yourself. And it took 45 <laughs> minutes before I just laid my thumb open, you know, hiding out in my little, little, uh, little fort that I had built. And I'm watching blood drip onto my shoes when I finally realized, all right, I, I, I got to go home and fess up. And I don't entirely remember it, but my dad would tell me that I walked up to him just covered in blood, tears running down my face, you know, hand quivering, handing him the knife back. He said, what's this for? Said, all right, I, I, I cut myself. And he said, all right, you want to do it again? No, sir. Oh, go see your mother and get cleaned up then. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, yeah, I never never really learned any knife safety or anything. Nobody really told me anything. In fact, uh, I was thinking about the other day. My uh, first time I ever went hunting, I went hunting on my own. Uh, my father basically just turned an eleven year old kid with a twenty two loose in the woods, and just to get me out of the house, just go and whatever. He did not expect me to come back in thirty minutes with a duck. <laughs> out and, of season. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was probably in season, but a twenty-two rifle was definitely not a legal option for hunting. Yeah, guys. they're supposed to be on the wing, by the way. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, damn! I jump shot it. I jump shot it off a creek. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not a joke when it comes to no. to, to shooting. Credit but, uh, credit is due, man. That's strong. No, I jump shot it and then had to chase it down the creek. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, came home wet and uh, with a duck, and everybody was surprised. And now I got to learn how to clean a duck, uh, which I didn't even think about. Nobody had told me about seasons or anything like that, about, uh, you know, make sure that there's nothing behind your uh, target when you when you fire, all that. I, I mean, how I came out of that woods alive beyond me, but uh, – I came out in a half hour with a duck. Because well, so. you were behind the rifle. It was, the, it was everyone else that needed to worry. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know anybody that didn't come out of the <laughs> – There may have been other people in that woods that day. We don't know. But uh, no. There might still be some people in that woods. <laughs> oh, there, there were uh, – I mean, because of the way the county was, there were a couple of bodies dumped near, uh, near our property. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. It's a it's a place just outside of Indianapolis. So was it the train station? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, what was that, Dan? Uh, yeah, it's a Yellowstone reference. No. What well, what were you just drinking? Uh, what did it look like? <laughs> Why is there like Actual all that plastic hanging off of it? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to, you're supposed to take the holder off those water bottle holders. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, what you're talking about sounds like extra effort. <laughs> it's all going to go in recycling anyway. No, no, I, I, I cut up the bottle holders because of the fish or the birds. Something gets stuck in that shit. Every millennial will cut them up till the day they die. Yeah. I was told my entire life. The McLaughlin video. Yeah. Fish, fish, and birds in those, and yeah. turtles and seals, and yeah. pretty much everything. I think they've shown pictures of getting caught in those things. Yeah. 
Uh, so Dan, Dan seems to think you have a dog. I'm not, I don't know. No longer. I saw Dan's wandering around back there. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I no longer have up, a dog. Jackass. He just talked about that his, his pointer passed and it was soul wrenching and you're going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I lost. I used to, uh, I used to have dogs. I used to raise and breed uh, bird dogs, mm-hmm. and uh, I love bird bird hunting. That's my favorite hunting. Um, I love to get out and wing shoot and uh, waterfowl and stuff like that. So having a, having a dog that could help me put meat in the freezer. Yeah. I like having dogs that have a job. Yeah. <laughs> so uh helps me get me out more, help me get the dogs out more, and keep the dogs in shape. And uh so we go out and do hunt trials and tests and stuff like that and uh and then hunt of course. There's an absolute beauty to watching a dog work. Like the Yes. It it's something about the efficiency, the single focus. I mean it is a, a beautiful thing to watch a well trained dog work. Yes, and that uh that was a hundred percent of why I got into bird dogs was uh when I was going to Purdue, a buddy of mine uh, in the program was dating a girl also in the program and her family lived north of Purdue up in Fowler. It's called Fowler because there are freaking pheasants everywhere up there. So he would invite me to go up there on a weekend while we were, you know, at school and we'd go up hunting every now and then. And I'd be like, man, this would be a whole lot easier if we had a dog. And then, uh, some friends would come out every of his would come out and they had dogs and getting to watch those dogs work. I, it was done. I was in love. So hmm. watching a, watching a, especially a pointer, a pointing dog work a field, do that quarter thing and then lock up in a picture perfect point, And you go over there and kick up a pheasant and boom, put it in the bag and love up your dog and keep on walking, man. That is a great day. My, my grandfather used to train uh, bird dogs, quail down here. Um, mm-hmm. And it was always a pleasure because he had to keep him working, so somebody had to come out with him. And to your point, watching one work a field was beautiful. And uh, I, I don't bird hunt as much anymore. My brother still does, and he's got a dog. And uh, the the plantation he hunts on, the the kennel master asked him, he's like, look, we got a, a tower shoot coming up, and we don't have enough dogs. You mind bringing your dog out and work it? We'll work it out. And uh, he got stuck behind a couple of guys that were just not familiar with the whole mechanism. And they were missing all over the place. And the dog was getting agitated. And finally, it got to the point where they would fire and a bird wouldn't drop. And the dog popped up, its hackles up, just barking at them. You know, my brother's putting it back down at a stay. And the, they look at him. And my brother's like, uh, dog ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah when i was going to school down there uh i would take my mail and uh take him out there some nastra north american i forget what it is some hunting trial uh down in oconee county there's a big uh for running hunt test and uh my cousin knew the people who owned it and ran it and stuff so we would take our dogs out there he had english pointers and uh, I would take my German short hair and he would take his English pointers and we'd go out there and run our dogs every now and then. Man, seeing some of them good old boys run their dogs, some of them were good, but man, I'd, I'd 
turned my dog loose and uh well I, I was the last time I was out there there was a young guy out there running his uh, I forget what they were they may have been English pointers as well but um he had been running most of the day and they were getting ready to leave when we pulled up and uh, he said there's still one out there flying and one we down but we can't find so I let my cousin take his dogs out and they were running around busting just busting brush and running wild. I let them get off in the distance a little bit. And then I turned my dog loose and he ran straight to the down bird, picked it up and gave it to the kid. And I said, whereabouts do you think the other one is? And he started to point and about that looked over and my dog's already quartered onto it. So, uh, go out and I say, you want to shoot him? <laughs> He's like, sure. So I was like, okay, come on. And my dog locked up. Yeah. So he went out and he popped it and, Brought it back. And, uh, yeah, we took home. He gave us a bunch of his quail he had been working on that day. We took home like 20 quail and cleaned them and threw them in the freezer. But, uh, yeah, he just, he's just like, man, that dog works. And my dog's all business. That's He had a nose that was ridiculous and a business acumen he got from his mother, and he could clean out a bird field. I miss it. I miss I miss bird hunting. That, Like I said, that's I'm not patient. My ADHD makes it so I can't deer hunt or turkey hunt, so you sit there. Sit there for hours waiting for something to walk by. I can't do that. I need to squirrel hunt, rabbit hunt, bird hunt, all that I'm fine with. But Mach is a pretty good squirrel dog. Um, deer hunting, it used to be fine, but now that my eyes are starting to give me an issue, I put a blanket over my legs so that if I move my feet a little bit, it wouldn't notice. And I'd put a little divot in that blanket. I could set a book in there. And I could read a paragraph and then look up read a paragraph and look up. Now I'm having trouble reading a book that far away. And, and deer hunting has gotten to be a lot more challenging now. You can't, you can't just put in uh, your headphone? You know, I could, um, and I will probably go that route eventually, but I like to be able to hear yeah. Especially now that I have hearing aids and realize how much I couldn't hear before. Yeah. Holy shit. I used to make a lot of noise in the woods. I was not aware <laughs> of this. And you still you still got a still got a deer. I did. You know, every so often you get that stupid, really curious one that'll even walk out in front of me. I always loved the Ron White when he said, if you ever miss a deer, it's because your bullet's going too fast. Slow that puppy down to 55 and put a horn and some lights on it. <laughs> and the deer will He's jump in wrong. front of him. <laughs> uh, I always loved that one. All right. Yeah, but Indiana is a shotgun-only state until, like, I don't know. I was probably in my 20s before I think they even allowed black powder. Or maybe I just ignored it till then. Man, Pennsylvania then, uh, was shotgun and bow where I was. Now, they wouldn't let me use like a 3030 or 44 carbine, but they would let me use a 12 gauge, three inch magnum with a rifled bull barrel. A one ounce slug at 2,200 feet per second was fine, but somehow a 3030 was a death machine that I couldn't use. Yeah, Indiana's still like that. You know, we've got handgun laws now for hunting. We've got uh, – the archery was there all along. I just suck at archery. There's no way I'm going to be a stick flinger ever. 
But yeah, now you can use like rifles that that fire a handgun cartridge or some crap like that. It still doesn't matter. I still don't have the patience to hunt, but they just keep. If they would just allow a thirty out six or a three oh eight, where I could hunt at a distance and not have to sit in a tree, I'd be fine. But you can't do that here, and I'm not going to take a hundred yard shot with a shotgun. Yeah, that's technically possible, but that's kind of beyond my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I think beyond what it's supposed to to be either. Or so, you could yeah. feed the squirrels and stuff, and say the food is just only for squirrels, and any deer that happen to eat it, you <laughs> making sure they don't eat your squirrel food. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just had to laugh that thirty caliber was forbidden, but seventy five caliber. Oh hell yeah, you can use that all you want. <laughs> All right, we have digressed, and the the flashing messages tells me that I have ignored my show notes. So how, why did you get started? I know you spent some time in the kitchen, so I might want to touch on that. And then, of course, we need to talk about, well, we talked a little bit about how, why you got into the YouTube YouTube channel, but we'll deep dive on that. Well, uh, it kind of leads into the YouTube channel. because, uh, yeah, I, I taught myself to cook when I was nine, 10 years old with the help of the joy of cooking and PBS shows the book. and, uh, yeah, the book. Um, and, uh, that was how I, I started cooking, you know, when I was nine years old, not using a whole lot of knife. I wasn't developing knife skills quite yet, but, uh, um, just a love for cooking. And uh, and a love for the outdoors, and then uh, being in the service and all of that. So you carry K bar, or I had a Gerber stiletto I carried as a marine as well. What I eventually figured out was uh, all these aspects of my life involve knives. So you know, hunting and fishing. There involves you know knives for cleaning game and all of that. Going camping, you've got knives for food prep, knives for busting wood, knives for whittling and doodling while you're out in the the forest, um, and then of course in the kitchen. So when it came time to start a, a YouTube channel, so I could basically learn editing and recording and all of that, and work on doing some stuff outdoors, recording wise, and. Uh, I was like, it just makes sense that, I mean, it's going to be outdoors is what, cause I wanted to use the channel to get me outdoors more, but, um, it's going to have to involve knives because I've, you know, I EDC and all of that, as well as kitchen knives and hunting knives and fishing knives and all of those. Um, the more you get into it, the more you realize how many or how often you use knives and scissors and. Yeah, bladed, like even people that say they don't use knives, I'm like, how often do you use scissors? That's just two knives put together. So right, most of the most of the the tools you use in the yard or you know the shovels and everything, you probably do a lot better if you sharpen them yeah. and use them like a bladed tool, yeah. like any other bladed tool. So I sharpen I sharpen most of my shovels. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not not a it's, not an extremely clean or keen edge, but. Yeah, I mean it's not going to maintain a seventeen degree with a twenty degree <laughs> micro bevel, but yeah, you know, yeah, I, I I hone I hone my my shovels every year if I'm going to be digging up plants and doing all that because um, I, a lot of the work I do is as a landscape architect or landscaper, 
Um, I'm a landscape architect by training, but I do a lot of landscaping, which isn't part of the curriculum. But uh, uh, a lot of landscape architects start their own business doing landscape work, and I'm no exception there. But uh, yeah, you find that it, it does a whole lot better if you just run a file along the edge of your shovels yeah. and keep them somewhat honed. So, but yeah, all of the, all of these sharp, sharp tools just kind of led me from, you know, being that kid that, that was, you know, learning knife skills in the kitchen, trying to teach himself and using all of the TV and whatnot, but, uh, and then getting out in the woods. And like I said, all of the, the EDC knives and everything just, it just made sense for me anyway. It's one of the things I love. Like you said, if you, if you do something you love, it's not really work. So I can sit here and talk about knives all day long. Yeah. Very cool. We have no idea what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the things you uh, look for when you review knives? Is it price point or is it kind of depend on what you're kind of wanting to, or some of your interests uh, at the time, you know, whatever you picked yeah, up at the gas station or. Um, not there anymore, fortunately. Uh, <laughs> but, um, the price point is a lot of it as somebody who's never had a ton of money. Um, I tend to, it's not really price point so much as value. Let's put it that way. That's a great, it's a value in the knife that I, the aesthetics are going to be there. It's just like food and women or whatever we eat with our eyes first. Um, it's going to have to grab my attention. has to be something I like. I tend to like sheep's foot blades first um, and foremost. So, uh, but if there's a, a knife, like if there's, there's like one spot where I feel like I have a weak point in my collection or a, a knife of a certain use that I need, um, then I'll go out and I'll say, I'll, try and figure out what blade shape and realistically what is the the price point that I think that knife should land in for how much I'm going to use it and what I'm going to use it for. And then, um, then there are always also the targets of opportunity. So if I find a good deal on something and I'm liable to just pick it up because even if I don't like it, I can punt it on and not get hurt. Um, or maybe even make a little bit of money on it. But um, the, the main thing is, the main thing is just, uh, I never sell a knife. I haven't sold, I don't know that I've sold a knife other than, I sold my favorite fixed blade to one of my best friends recently because he couldn't find one in stock and they haven't put them out recently. <laughs> so uh, I made his day and uh, he, he wanted to just try it out. And I said, if you really, really like it, uh, Come and talk to me, and we'll we'll make a deal. So knives and firearms. That's, that's Beth has asked me. She's like, you you've got a bunch. Aren't you going to sell any? I'm like, no. You you might trade for one. You definitely buy them, but you don't ever sell them. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I especially my firearms. I I will definitely sell them. Um, having worked in the industry, I helped uh helped a buddy who owned a gun shop here in Indy, uh, run it for a few years, um, worked gun shows and stuff for him, built ARs, all of that stuff. Um, I mean, I'll trade one for a bigger one, but I, well, I mean, that's, that's now that I'm, I'm technically unemployed. That's, that's kind of what I fall back on is, um, 
selling stuff I have that's valuable yeah. that I know I didn't pay anywhere near as much as what I can sell it for now. Which is the beauty. And a of, lot of that is the beauty of buying for value versus price point. Exactly. That's why I do. That's why because I buy it. I buy it with the intention of using it and loving it and having it there every day for the rest of my life or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, sometimes you find something better and it's time to upgrade. So you punt that one on or trade it off or do whatever. But um, the uh, the value of it makes sure for me anyway um, that I can always get my money back for it, hopefully. Or if I give it away, I'm not hurting myself as much as if I'd gone out and spent the whole MSRP value on it or whatever, um, or bought the hot thing at the hot time. That's what you're getting into now a lot in the knife world, uh, especially folding knives and EDC. Every week is a new hot knife. And there are people out there who chase them every week. They're kind of, They're showing the new knife, the new hot knife, all that. And some of them aren't like content creators. They aren't people who are reviewing them. They're just churning knives. They, they, they'll buy this one this week and trade that for the, the next hot one next week. And you have to be losing your butt doing that. And they can afford it apparently, but I can't. I couldn't afford to do that. Um, but yeah, go, some of these people are going out and buying, you know, knives that are hundreds and hundreds or sometimes a thousand dollars or more. Um, for a folding, for an EDC folding knife. And I'm like, I don't use my EDC folders that much. I feel bad spending over like a hundred bucks for a, for an EDC knife, well, but I do now. <laughs> speaking of what are some of the trends that you've seen? Uh, 2022 was the year of the button lock. Um, I think, um, uh, 2023 looks like it's going to be more access locks, but a continuation of a lot of button locks. You're seeing a lot of smaller boutique uh, designers who OEM out of country, but they're cranking out designs. Um, a few of them are in the knife community and the EDC community as well. So I get to check out some of those up front. Uh, and there's also a big trend in American made. So, um, and I'm not talking about buying Medfords or Hinderers or whatever. I'm talking about finding small uh, well, shops fully American made, and, not American correct. assembled, but American made. Yeah. Correct. Um, and I mean, one hundred percent and small shops, though. Um, not everybody, you know, not everybody wants to go out and spend four hundred fifty bucks on a production hinderer, but they're going to go out and spend six hundred to a thousand on one of Alex Steingraber's knives or Hephaestus Machine Company or Oz here in Indiana, Oz Machine Company. Um, makes a knife called uh, the Roosevelt, which is, I want to say it's like an $800 folding knife, but it's all made right here in Indiana. So they get it. And it's apparently a really nice folding knife. There is there is real money to be made in folding knives. We had, uh, last guild meeting, we had a couple of guys that were doing strictly folding knives. And they do four or six a month and they are clearing more than most of us fixed blade guys are doing mm -hmm. it four to six a week. Yep. Um, the now there's more going on with the machining. There's some precision issues. Arguably, you got to have a good mill. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not worth what they're getting, but I've heard it referred to as pocket jewelry. But 
Yeah. I mean, that is, there's a lot of money there. Yeah, there is. And that's what, that's why I'm saying there's, there's a lot of that going on right now. Yeah. And as more people do that, especially uh, Will Zermano, he won, I think, the custom folder of the year at Blade this year. Big, I mean, big old massive folders. And like one of the entry levels was like 450 um, yeah. which isn't bad for something that's, you know, handmade, custom, uh, out of great materials. But um, – We've got some Carolina makers that are $800,000. And I've got a buddy of mine, Craig, who is, God, he's a, he's a wonderful human being. It's just as happy as you can be. But if you didn't know that, he's a mountain of a man. And his folder looks like a short sword in my hand. <laughs> um, and, and he loves these big, heavy, overbuilt folding knives. Because in his hands, it, it looks like a buck 110. Like it's a, well, and a lot of the folding guys have those like big pelican cases. Like they've got forty to a hundred knives in there. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Yeah, Grumpy's Grumpy's yeah. pointing to his in the off to the side of the camera. You know, when I lose another thirty pounds and and grow some hair in the bald spots, we should probably start doing video. <laughs> uh, that means I would have to like. Get oh, we're all laughing because that's just going to happen. Get a haircut. <laughs> I think I found her 30 pounds. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think those are, those are kind of the big things that you're going to see this year is uh, um, people are starting to involve magnets in folders now. Um, so you've got a company called the Winter Blade Company. Uh, they have a knife called the Factor which is a little sheep's foot that uses um, magnets to secure it and to also help kind of throw, deploy it. Mm. Um, interesting. Um, I think it'll probably be kitschy and uh, a, a bit of a flash in the pan unless we can come up with something that, that really just really truly changes the way a knife works. Um, I don't know that that's going to be it, but there is – uh, another budding knife designer who has designed a knife that uses uh, magnets to assist the detent. So you don't have to worry. You worry less about it coming open in pocket yeah. and you don't have the bounce. So when you go to close a folder, sometimes it'll bounce a little bit. Does none of that. It just sticks as soon as. That's pretty cool. And I, I do some stuff with rare earth magnets. So I kind of geek out with that. Like I, I, I I'm willing to admit some value add there. Yeah. I mean, and it's part of the innovative process. I mean, you don't know what you can do until you try it all. So, I mean, just keep throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And mag I love magnets and glow in the dark stuff. Those are, I'm still a big kid when it comes to those two things. Oh, glow in the dark is the so, shit. Like that, that is the right. pinnacle of cool. <laughs> right. And ma magnets and glow in the dark stuff are my jam. So, uh, so I'm watching it with interest, but uh, I tried out the the, the Factor when I, I got a chance to check it out. And it's got some cool acoustics. It has a really weird ting when it opens or closes. but uh, Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. I, I, the, the acoustics are one of the things that I didn't know about before I started this channel and started handling so many more knives that uh, 
I'm like, man, I never put any any kind of stock in that whatsoever that knives sound different. And some of them are irritating sounding and some of them are amazing sounding. So some of the hard thin knives in the kitchen that, that give you a good ring, I appreciate. And some of them, like when they sing, they sing when they come across the stone as you're sharpening it, like mm-hmm. there's a, a resonance there that that is really distinctive. I never thought about that aspect of acoustics either. When you're sharpening, the sound of the stones running across the the blade and everything is a completely different aspect to acoustics that I I hadn't even mixed into the equation yet. Especially when I start moving into honing, like you when. You'll change grit, and your first passing it across the stone, it's got a rougher harmonic. But, yeah. <laughs> but as those scratches comes out, and it polishes, and it starts to float on the stone, it'll it'll start to to sing, like it's got a very yeah, distinctive you, frequency. You get it down uh, because I use a sharpening system and don't hand sharpen anymore. Um, you get a lot of that. You notice that even more when you're changing grit, and you go to. Uh, that that the way the stone skates across the blade yep. and the changing in grits, you get down to where it's just a and it's just it, it, it's meditative. I mean, it's cathartic to sharpen for me. That's it's driving me nuts because I'm rearranging the studio right now because I need to set up my sharpening station again. There is something incredibly zen about hand sharpening, even if you're using an assisting mechanism. And to your point, once the either the stone is floating on the blade or the blade is floating on the stone, there's 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 that moment of perfect universe. Yeah, I uh, I used to dread sharpening when I when I hand sharpened until I got the uh, the TS Prof system, and uh, that thing is freaking amazing. Um, it is a, just a beautifully engineered machine and it does an amazing job that even an idiot like me can put a, a mirrored, a ridiculous edge on a knife. I've, I've got to start looking at something. I've, I hand finish all my blades, um, but apparently repetitive stress injury is a, a thing. I don't know. It sounds made up to me, but <laughs> my fourth sh- shoulder surgery would suggest that it, it is time for me to start looking at <laughs> at least something to assist it. Yeah, I, I, I've I've been in the market for a system. Yeah, uh, if I can make it down there, I'll bring it with me when I come down. When sometimes when you make when, it down there, when I make it down there, we're bright side this thing, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I need to make it back down there to see my family, too, as well as coming to hang out with you. Yeah, family schmamly. Do they sharpen knives? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> They'll sharpen all their knives, too. That's, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's kind of what I do is roll in and sharpen everything I can get my hands on. Yeah, I do that, too. Perfect world. Like, you have just harvested the never-never tree. There's a pile of unattainium right there. What what's the dream blade? What's what's the blade that, that that you could pass with a smile on your face? I don't know that I have one, honestly. You know, we'll, I, uh, I we'll break it down. We'll, we'll we'll try to make it a little easier. You know, one that exists. What's that Grail blade that if it ever came across, you'd snatch it up? Um, and why is it a dogwood custom knife? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it could be a Magna Cut uh, Kephart. I've heard that there's one of those in existence somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that's the only uh, one that's ever going to be made. <laughs> At least for a while. Uh, one day I may forget what a pain in the ass that was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it probably would be uh, something like that. It would be, uh, you know, one of your cap parts or one of Kyle's Bushcrafters or something like that in some awesome steel that's going to just blaze a trail out in the woods and and uh, feel amazing in hand and stuff. I, I, I don't have, really have one per se because I, I – It's okay. The, I either – I own it um, – or I haven't gotten my hands on it yet, so I don't know that it's necessarily that one. You can't yeah. you can't really love it until it's yours, right? Uh, there is um, it's a it's a, a knife that just looks like it would be eminently fun out in the woods. Uh, designed by Chris Tanner, he has a YouTube channel called Prepare Mind One Hundred One. Uh, it's called the uh, JXV. Uh, it's made by Work Tough Gear, and it's a DLT exclusive. It's a, it's got a long handle. It's about half handle and half blade, and the blade I think is about nine inches long. So you got about a foot and a half long blade that is just made to wail on stuff. And uh, I think that one looks really really fun. So yeah, if you could build one, what would you want? Like, is there, a, is there a handle material you've always wanted? Is there a, a steel you'd always wanted? Um, I'd like to try something bigger, but I'm not sure exactly what steel that would be. Um, An SM100 Gladius? Steel. <laughs> a what? Uh, so. An, an SM100 Gladius? So it, it, there's a steel <laughs> called SM100, and it is nickel titanium alloy. Oh. And there was an oops in the order, and I have a five thirty seconds inch bar of SM one hundred, and it is an absolute son of a. Can I say that? Whoa, 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 whoa. stop right there! <laughs> <laughs> to grind, like just forget about belts. But I, I have decided that I'm going to make a Gladius, and it's got enough titanium that I can anodize it cobalt blue. So oh, that will be cool. So y'all will know that I had just infinite time on my hands or I figured <laughs> out some Rosetta stone form of grinding when you see the cobalt blue gladius because it will cut you and your blade and that piece of stone all in half. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even know that that still existed. See, I mean I know Magna Cut is the the new hotness and all of that. Um, I'm getting to know M4. I uh, bring this up. Uh, won this recently on uh, Instagram. This is a, it's a uh, maker. A knife by a young guy named uh, Travis McRae. Okay, he's out of Florida. Um, originally out of Tennessee, I think he's moving back there, and it's. 8670 steel or something okay. like that. It's yeah. like 64 HRC. Yeah, the pop sells that. It's the Okay. They uh stock it in the knife thicknesses. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's supposed to be a high HRC. So looking forward to get, but I'd never heard of that steel. Um, yeah, yeah. So some yeah. of us just make shit up. Just, so <laughs> <laughs> just, just start rattling off numbers. Nobody will be able to tell. Well, and that's. I mean, I've been working on trying to get a a, a series put together that is all of that. Trying to normalize and explain a lot of the terminology and stuff like that for lay people. Because a lot of my friends from the outdoor community who come over to watch my lives and videos, they're like, man, I love the knives. They're beautiful. I like what you tell me about them until you start mentioning all these letters and numbers and talking about steels and and some of these other, you know, terms they don't realize, recognize. So like, I got to work this out. I have but. toyed with the concept of like architecture. There's a school of architecture. A flying buttress is a flying buttress. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. It can have architectural notes to it, but it's a flying buttress. Because knives were, were created in different cultures all over the world, we don't have a unifying dictionary in the knife industry. You know, saber grind can mean seven different things. Um, Culturally, different terms can mean different things. And I've always toyed with, and what you're going to need is somebody with enough umph in the community that they can just lay down the law. But I have loved the concept of at some point, we're just going to write the encyclopedia of knife terms. And this is what this terms means. And we just don't have it that. So even two really knowledgeable knife people, can start talking terms and be completely off the page. We got the, we got the start of that a little bit with knife engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all hair, Laren Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> yeah. He, he's uh, just wrote a uh, uh, rough draft for a uh, uh, history of modern knife steel book that I saw him post on Instagram. And I I barely finished his first book. Like it doesn't have a lot of pictures and there's a shitload of pages. (laughs) There's a lot of pictures in there. And the print really small. The tiny print. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I've I've had to read the the chapter on cryo like three times. He did a YouTube video on it too. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's orcs. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Troy. but i know as i know as soon as i as soon as i put out a video on it it's going to end up just non-stop flaming well that's the wrong term to use there it's this term yeah. it's that you know, it's going to turn into that that armchair warrior mentality and i'm just going to get lambasted and i'm like yeah so i keep putting on the back burner but uh, for knife steels i found a really awesome chart that had like edge retention wear resistance and like uh toughness and it had a uh, uh up until about eight years ago it had pretty much all the the steels up until like kind of s 110v but it gave a good like here's where kind of like 1095 is here's where 154 cm is here's where cpm 154 is uh zdp 189 a bunch of those uh where you can kind of see and i i sent that to a bunch of people i'll send it your way but i just tell people the the farther you go up the uh 
the taller graph things, the more expensive the knife steel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so like S35VN, the upcharge on it really just kind of comes down to, I eat up some more belts. Like when you make the jump to Magna cut, no, it, it's going to take me an entire day to grind the bevel on that knife. It doesn't matter the belts. I'm going to blow through them. You're going to pay for an entire day of grinding just to get the bevel on that knife. I can't, man. And Magna Cut is that much, that much more difficult than than most the Nest 35 VN and yeah. you know most of the other stuff you would work in at 154 CM. So O1, I can do one. Uh, I can do five knives per belt. S35 VN, I can do about one knife per belt. Magna Cut is about five belts per knife. My little, my thin blades, like my little one sixteenth inch blades that I like to do, I have to heat treat those before I do. You know, the thicker blades, when they're annealed, you can take a fair amount of steel off first. But those blades, they're so thin, there's just not enough steel to take off without. Uh, Beth just got back to her hotel room, by the way. If, just so you all know what that text message was. Um, you know, at one sixteenth, there's not enough room to take steel off without burning the edge out. Mm-hmm. And on one sixteenth inch blades with Magna Cut using ceramic belts, I establish the bevels with a 36 grit belt. And I still burn through the belt about one belt every one to two knives. Like it's... Yeah. The wear resistant is absolutely insane on that steel. Yeah. Nick, uh, the guy we had on the last podcast, uh, before he left, I had him uh, hand sand. So I put a CPM 154, awesome. a CPM 154 right. blade up and he had some 400 paper and he's like rubbing against. It. He's like, okay. And then I, I go, all right, here's the, the Magna Cut one. And he like rubs it on there and he goes, it didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well i know uh my first introduction to magna cut was uh at blade last year after i picked up the cub from dan and uh i told you guys the it sounded like a joke but it was actually what happened uh pull it out of my go to pull my wallet out of my pocket as i'm walking out of a restaurant in atlanta and I had the cub in my front pocket in the sheath, and it, it's, the handle stuck to my hand as I pulled it out. So I pulled the, the cub out, and it just kind of slammed down on the concrete in front of the restaurant and blade first. And I just – I heard it ring when it hit, and I just – oh, I closed my eyes and cringed. Picked it up, and the one of the friends that was with me, it was just ahead of me, and turned around and looked back because he heard the ring of the blade hit, and he just his eyes got like big, and he's like, "You didn't," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I did." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting there messing with it on the way back to sit in the car, and I'm sitting down in the car, and I'm rubbing it because there's there's like a, a a crescent that looks like a big ding in the blade or something, and I'm working at it with pushing it with my thumb and it comes off. It's concrete dust. It had taken a chunk of the concrete <laughs> from the sidewalk in front of the restaurant with it. And there's not a ding. I still haven't touched that blade. Yeah. I haven't had to strop it. Magna cut is an absolute pain in the ass to work. 
But if you do it right, it makes a phenomenal blade. Yeah. Once it's there, yes. it'll be there for forever. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things as much of a pain in the butt. It was to hand sand, uh, that S ground one that I have, like there's no other scratches on it really. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like usually when you like somebody will use like a scotch right pad or whatever on it, like you aren't going to put any other scratches on there hardly at all. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and publicly state there's not enough love or money that would make me do an S drive an S ground chef's knife. Like it, don't bother asking. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe one of my kids, maybe, but probably not. Maybe a wedding gift. Yeah, probably not. I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to ask Alex to order one through him. <laughs> you know how I solve that problem? No problem, buddy. I'll be more than happy to. I'm just going to need you to hand sand it. <laughs> Oh shit! You didn't want it after all. <laughs> uh, I'll tell him I'll give him two hundred dollars to hand sand it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that little phenomenal human being that he is. Um, middle of his freshman year, and he just got hired onto an advertising company. Nice. Like it will not be long before either of us can afford to bribe him. <laughs> nice okay but, uh, so YouTube channels we're going to dive into that a little bit because I'm kind of a fan of your channel I appreciate that um, guys starting out like I mean we could go into the do's and don'ts but just kind of top level like hey I think I want to do something like that but what would be your advice to hey kid before you do this um, really, it's going to be the same advice people gave me, which is just do it. Turn the camera on. Get yourself, uh, strippers. I think it's a 30 strippers. I mean, strippers and Coke will always do the trick. Um, you know, get yourself, uh, I think it's like a $30 Movo, uh, microphone that hooks onto my cell phone. And that's what I record all my top down on. Build your way up to, I mean, unless you're a professional photographer and you have nice camera equipment out, work your way up. But at the end of the day, uh, especially in the knife community, uh, it really is the most amazing community on the internet I have ever been a part of. These people are just amazing. The viewers that I have are there almost every week. You can count on about the same 40 or so. And then there's another 10 to 20 that, that may or may not be there. But they show up all the time. They're very encouraging. And that's the way most of the knife community is, at least on YouTube um, and Instagram. Very supportive. Very, um, I mean, some of them are going to be honest. They're going to tell you, uh, you know, you need to turn on your lights, turn your lights up or something, you know. Sounds like you need to blow your nose. I got one of those last week because I'm always congested. Indiana hates me. So, me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got, man, it sounds like you need to blow your nose. Thanks. I know. Um, I, I think it was the Buddha. It was one of the senior people in Buddhism that said that you should always be honest and kind, which, I mean, as far as feedback, you know, I want honest, but you don't have to be mean yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, 
there's there's also the the kind of you know is it hey, before you wait, say wait, wait, hang on. I'm sorry I don't mean to be rude but what you got there Cod that's a distinctively <laughs> it's, shaped bottle that's the same thing I told you about before oh okay the Knob Creek smoked, smoked maple. maple carry on sorry I didn't <laughs> in my in my glass you know, yeah a swanky glass like that deserves a swanky bourbon up <laughs> oh, pinky up you know. That's not, a, that's not all that's up right now. <laughs> but, I'm uh, sorry, Grumpy. I didn't mean to just completely hijack your, your very oh, no worries, legitimate brother. advice. <laughs> Dan's ADHD is kicking in. Huh? Uh, but, I was uh, going to mention something about the, the camera, too. So I have a, a Nikon DSLR that I got, like, uh, it's been, like, seven years ago now. And I feel like my iPhone 12 Pro takes better photos and video than my DSLR does. Yep. Uh, one of the things I loved about my DSLR was it had like a, you could tether it so you could use the bigger screen of the, the iPhone, but like yeah. it just, yeah. it does the focusing and stuff so much better, especially with some of the aftermarket apps that you can put on your iPhone. So it, you can mm-hmm. like make it be manual mode. Uh, which makes editing lots of pictures a lot easier. But to uh, that point, I think it was this year there was a, a movie at the Cannes Film Festival that was shot entirely with iPhone 13s using uh, Filmic Pro, okay. which is, I think the app's $13 a year. And you can shoot up to 4K in it. It lets you adjust lighting and contrast and a bunch of other terms that I don't understand that I just use auto lock on. Mm-hmm. But you can take an iPhone and shoot damn your production level quality with some of these apps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, and it's only getting better. I've, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I started out, I started out with a Nikon DSLR. Yeah. The problem with Nikon especially is uh, the autofocus. You can hear the motors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why most people use a Canon. That's or how you know Sony. it's real. Like if it doesn't go, <laughs> yeah. can you really trust it? So uh, Nikon's still my favorite for taking photos, but uh, it did kind of suck for video for doing what I want to do on the channel. Um, and that's why uh, a buddy of mine was upgrading his Pixel. And uh, he gave me his old Pixel 3 XL. That's still what I shoot almost everything on. Um, and uh, great sound. The onboard AI does most of your photo manipulation for you, gets everything nice and fairly balanced. You can go in and add effects and stuff, filters, do whatever. Um but it really, really, phones really do just make it so much easier. And that's why it's the perfect place to start unless you're used to manipulating all of those settings on a camera. Because if you don't know which camera to get and which lens you need and what settings to put all that stuff on, you're going to be far better off with just a good cell phone. Okay. And uh, If you're a point-and-click guy like me, a cell phone and a good app, Take the five-minute yeah. tutorial and just use the auto settings. One yeah, one quick thing with the phone, wipe mm-hmm. the lens every time. Good, yeah. Yeah, some of, my, some of my videos are a little blurry. Yeah, wipe back, the lenses every time. Back in the forum days, 
I was having trouble getting some shots. Like they were looking rough, but it was Friday and I needed to get paid and I posted them. And immediately there's just this whole long conversation chain about <laughs> my quality of photos. And I'm like, okay, but fuck y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sell the knife. Like I, I get that I need to take better photos, but that has nothing to do with the fact that, uh, and in the end it turned out, I just needed to clean my objective lens. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, it does make a huge difference. A lot of times I'll be that and lighting, clean lenses and lighting. That's all you really need for good video and photos. And do you try to do like two sources, kill the shadows, or do you just find the corner in, in your house that's got the right? Uh, my lighting right now is one of the main reasons I'm re, uh, another main reason I'm redoing the studio. I can't get it the way I like it. There's always the ring light leaves shadows on the knife if i'm doing a bigger blade like uh like this one uh you'll see the ring light you'll see the center of the ring light in the knife and stuff like that so trying to fix that um and i've got a bunch more lights to put up once i get everything moved in here but uh yeah i'd like multiple source to try and get rid of those and so that you can see the logos and um you know, like if I were to hold this up, you know, you wouldn't be able to see the, you could see the anodized side, but you wouldn't be able to see the etched side. God, that sugar skull is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a, a absolutely gorgeous knife. Yeah. Um, God knows I'm not afraid to self-market. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after you've been drinking but, uh, vodka. <laughs> but yeah, getting that up and getting it in the right light under what I've got right now would be really difficult. So um, I've had um, I've had some success with some LED shop lights. They've got like a three hour life on the battery, but I just turn them straight up so it reflects off the ceiling. And that has I've had some luck with that because you don't get the hot spots of like the light shining directly on it, and. I got them for 20 bucks a piece. If I were doing photo shoots, I could do that. With the video in here, I have an apparatus that comes out off the wall. So if I hit the table, nothing shakes. Oh, yeah. That's a good um, point. So it comes off the wall. So my lighting is actually – my camera's here. My lighting is actually below it. <laughs> so my lighting is down above the, the work surface. And what I need is some lighting that's actually closer to me as well facing this way down onto down onto the work surface rather than from behind and directly over the top. So it's a whole directional thing. It's either that or I go out and spend another 150 bucks on a giant ring light and some, uh, some screening to go over the top of the work surface so that it just looks like a big white sheet over the top of, Here. you know, like kind of like what you do when you shoot, when you aim your lights up. But if you, I have all the stuff in the way, so I can't do that. Hear me out. So sell out, sponsors, money, they pay for the lights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm at a point now where I can monetize the channel and do Patreon and all that stuff if I want to. But uh, I haven't started any of that. Um, you know, we're going to put the, speaking of the channel, we're going to put it in the, the show notes, or at least Kyle will, because, you know, <laughs> me. Um, uh, what is the channel? Like Kyle and I have both been on it. I, I'm Grunch, a huge Grunch fan. Grumpy. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is literally the jokes, fucking normie. <laughs> hey, hey, don't come into the neurodivergent lane. You know that that's just for us. <laughs> yeah, it is grumpy grunt. Um, I think I haven't done like the the vanity check lately to see where I'm at as far as the list of grumpy grunts when you search on YouTube. But uh, I think I'm at the top now, finally. <laughs> so there are some gamers and stuff who apparently have usurped the name yeah, as well. It, it so. took a couple of days. There were some there were some silent kills, but you're the you're the grumpy <laughs> grunt that's left standing. Right, fifteen go in, only one comes out. But uh, yeah, it's grumpy grunt uh, on YouTube and uh, grumpy dot grunt on uh, Instagram. So. Absolutely. Stop by, check it out. Um, Say hey. For some of the makers out there, as as somebody that's running a channel, what are some things that, like when you bring a maker on, like say, for example, Kyle, um, what are some advice that you would give them to, to help make the, the show flow more smoothly? I'm not saying Kyle's show didn't flow smoothly. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> if you had a maker on, what is some advice that you would give them? That, that would help make it a, a, an easier show for the host? Um, really, just uh, just talk, be ready to talk about yourself, about your product. I mean, it's, it's a sales pitch when you come on for the most part. After that, it's just a bullshit session. So the, literally, when, when I have a maker or a designer or a retailer come on, um, it is really about you. Um, I'll try and facilitate and maybe guide you towards some of the things that I know some of the people in the audience may want to ask or probably going to be curious about in terms of whichever discipline it is you're, you're into, be it kitchen knives, outdoor knives, folding knives, uh, whatever. Um, I'll try and bring that out, uh, what I know they're going to want to hear, but for the most part, it's what you want to tell us. Tell us about you. Tell us about your history. What are um, your what inspired you to get into knife making? Who are the people you look up to? Who taught you? Who uh, you know? Who is that one person out there who's just doing the the really wild shit that you wish you could do? That you wish more people were doing something like that. That's I want to know who the up and comers are. Um, is there some new material? in, you know, in, in what you're doing that, that I should know about, like, uh, you know, if the if new handle material, is there some new steel coming out? And of course, a lot of people find that out by following Laren, but, uh, um, you guys are the ones who are going to be telling us, um, at least me, because I'm interested in it, what the actual real world benefits of something like MagnaCut coming to the market are like that there's a, a big price increase coming in sure grip materials, stuff which, like that, you know, which there where are these is, things going to come? Unfortunately, because rubber's right. getting hard for them to find. So, and, and that's going to, that's going to change the knife market in the future and being able to let my, my viewers know about that ahead of time, get them ahead of the curve. So they know, you know, if you want to go out and get a kitchen knife and magna cut with a sure grip handle, a, you need to go talk to these guys, and B, it's going to cost more if you don't hurry the hell up. And so, so it's a it's a ratio of technical knowledge 
but there's they need to also be able to loosen up and have the personal story. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's more about being a person. That's really what my channel is. Um people want to know you as you, yeah, right? They don't want to know they don't need to know I mean, I want them to know about dogwood knives and Kegich daily knives and all of this, but at the end of the day, they want to know Dan and Kyle. They aren't necessarily just about the knives. Um, my people are all about knives, but they also want to know the people they're buying them from. Yeah, there's a when you do custom handmade work, there's a little piece of you in everything you do. It might be blood, it might be sweat, occasionally it's tears, but there's a little piece of you in every every blade you make. So yeah. people are buying; they're not just buying the knife; they're buying a little bit of you. Well, I mean, that, and that you have to, it has to come across that way if people are going to get into the, the custom world. Um, you're going to go out and start start dropping more on one knife than most people spend on an entire block set, you know, because they don't know. Uh, you know, it cuts things in the kitchen. That's all they care about. So, but the more they know Kyle and Dan, the more they're willing they're probably going to be to look into and say, okay, well, it's not just that they're charging more because they're doing this by hand. It's because, you know, they know the people who are making these handle materials and they know the people they get their, the steels from, and they know the people who are doing this, that, or the other as part of the inputs for what you're making. So they single-handedly um, harvested the wood from the never, never tree. <laughs> In a sustainable <laughs> manner so that Peter Pan wouldn't die. Yet, there was still enough thickness on that material to give you a full handle. <laughs> but, I mean, jokingly, yes. But at the same time, that's important to people. And I, I, I can appreciate that personal connection. I, I bullshit, but I like knowing where my materials came from. I like know, I like knowing who made them. Greg Hansen and Sons, I love that I know Mikey and I know that every fold in that material she did for a reason. And then when I put it on a knife, that every curve in that knife has a reason. There's there's, there's a synergy there. There's a perpetuation of, of energy that I that I appreciate. Yeah. It's a lot of that. And that that is it. That's that's what adds that value to to your knives, to knives that that anybody is making out there, um, especially by hand. And when you come on my show, it's it's that it's 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 not just hey, this is my knife. I made this. This is what it costs, and and this is what it's made from. It's you know I know this person and and that's where you know this handle scale material came from and that's why i thought it would be perfect for this knife and you know and then you go into why that knife is what it became mm -hmm. and there's a whole story behind it and on your show there's also the hats the hats every every i mean i'm bald so i don't want to hear everybody complaining about the glare off my head so <laughs> low hanging fruit uh, now you got to bring it up yeah. <laughs> the hairline that and uh foot. One of my one of the other channels that's kind of in the the same class as me, we kind of started around the same time, have similar number of um, you know, viewers and everything. Uh, it just it, he was like wearing a mask or something one night, so it turned into like silly hat night, and we just had a good time. And I just I once I went face forward and uh, a 
Because when I started doing lives, it was top down, just like reviews. I didn't want my face on the camera. I didn't want to do anything. And um, Kyle, you mentioned uh, Doug Ritter earlier and knife KnifeRights.org. Uh, Two Novembers ago, we started uh, doing um, a Knives Live, which is a 24-hour marathon to raise money for Doug Ritter's organization, uh, Knife Rights. So a bunch of YouTubers started, uh, you know, we do a one or two hour block and we ran a 24 hour marathon. Everybody give away a knife and Doug would come on half the channels and stuff and talk about what knife rights was about. Side note, next, and, uh, next time y'all do that, let me know because I'd, I'd like to help y'all because. Okay, absolutely. Doug has been there for this industry and every chance I can get to help knife rights, I'd like to. Absolutely. I would love that. I would love to get you guys involved. And uh, yeah, we do. Uh, they do big uh, giveaway and um, they, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Reeve and Medford and like a bunch of big names are all putting stuff in to, to help raise money for Doug. And if you guys get involved with that, that'd be awesome. I would love that. Uh, and I will definitely remind you again that this year. Please do. And I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to sidetrack your story on the the 24 hours of knives that you were doing no no that's fine uh that but that's how basically uh that's really i had done three live streams before um shane gables who one of the people who came up with the idea and was putting it together um he came and asked me he's like would you want to be a part of this and i've got like 130 subscribers <laughs> at this point and i'm like uh I think you're looking for some other channel. There's uh, uh, 127 more than we have. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I agreed to it. I'm like, sure. And, uh, you know, uh, went and visited one of my local, my local outdoors, uh, store, the outdoorsman, little hunting, fishing and archery store down the road. And, uh, they have a really actually a fairly nice knife selection in there. So I went in and I begged them to to donate a spider coat tenacious, and uh, I took one of my knives and gave those away. After that, I decided that by the time the next year came around, I needed to be face forward. So within a couple of weeks after that, I started doing regular lives, and maybe a couple of months into it, I uh, I went ahead and turned that camera on and started showing people my. They didn't run away screaming, so I guess we're okay. Yeah, or at least the people that uh, did, you don't want them around anywhere. Yeah, they weren't subscribed yet, so <laughs> if they did run away, they left their subscription here, so it works. But yeah, we did it again this year. So this year was um, the second Knives, KnifeRights.org, uh, Knives Live. Every channel, we had so many more channels involved this year. We're talking about doing more than one a year or making it go maybe more than 24 hours. So we'll see what this year brings, but uh, it's going to happen again this year. So. 36 hours of knives. That could, man, it could become kind of like a, a Jerry Lewis telethon. Your kids aren't going to get this, but us old folks know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> we're like, you're sleeping in the wings, getting ready for your 45 minutes, and then you got to bring it at 2 a.m. I could be down. Yeah, and, that, and there are people who stay up for the full 24 hours. I managed all but about an hour and a half of it. I dozed off here in my chair. <laughs> yeah. I've learned right before my time. I've learned until the hallucinations kick in. 
I'm fine. I can stay up for as long as you need me. Yeah. And I don't hit that point until about five days. So I'm pretty good. Um, it didn't hit me until I was doing night patrols in Haiti. And it was 106 degrees in a GP medium during the day. And then we'd get up and do night patrols all night. And about the third night when I started to hallucinate as a driver, it was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hit five. I hit five days during grad school during finals week down there at Clemson. That's hardcore. Um, well, I'd been uh, officially assessed for ADHD and was like off the charts. So we were trying to normalize the mm -hmm. Adderall. It wasn't working, so we were at ninety milligrams of Adderall Holy a day, shit. and. Uh, so I just didn't sleep for five days. And at the end of five days, I was telling my professors to go F themselves. And uh, I just they, drove home that usually and goes well. with my dog. Yeah. They like that. What were they going to do? Kick me out? <laughs> they wanted my money. Mm. Um, so uh, when they think you're unstable and just unstable enough to actually come to their home and I mean, uh, <laughs> that, that went dark quick. <laughs> I still have some issues, but uh, but yeah, I uh, yeah. So about five days is when I started, yeah, not really fully comprehending what was going on around me. So that's that's my threshold is five days before I start losing my shit. It took me a little while to figure out, but like in the the edge of my vision when things started to move that was my first indicator and then when i knew that i was just done i would see a kind of a checkerboard pattern overlay everything i saw and go out to infinity and that's <laughs> when i'd look at my tc and like hey we need to rack out for 15 minutes and they'd run up and put a, a 360 corridor and me and the other driver would go down and we'd rack out for about 15 20 minutes and then come back up and drive the rest of the night. So you went to like yeah. ludicrous speed. Yeah, it literally. <laughs> no, no, I went to plaid speed. Yeah, that was ludicrous speed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just for the record, I did get space balls. I got the reference. <laughs> um, Keep firing, a holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the boop boops go boop boop. <laughs> Yeah, we've been jammed. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's the pinnacle of Mel Brooks's genius, but I'm not not saying that. Uh, so have you options, ever watched you know. Spaceballs with uh, Mel Brooks commentary? How did I not know this is a thing? And why yeah. the f did you keep it from me? <laughs> it's on the DVD. It's like one of the extras. You can like uh, watch the whole movie with uh, Mel Brooks talking about stuff during wow. it. Uh, right. he, he wanted the beginning ship scene to be 25 yeah. minutes long. Uh, <laughs> sounds like Mel Brooks. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I might trade a knife to the first person that can, uh, can get me that DVD in, in undamaged condition. I've got it. I've got it upstairs. But are you willing to give it up? I'll send it to you. I don't want some cheesy copy. I don't want like Sharpie Mel Brooks edition. Like I want the original DVD. Yeah. All right. Do you even have anything to play it on though? I do. <laughs> like every time Beth sends stuff down to the basement, like I polish it and keep it clean. 
I've got a six disc CD changer that was cutting edge 15 years ago. I got a DVD player that will also play Blu-ray. Nice. Yeah. It's cool. down here in the basement with me and all the other misfit toys. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> si- I'll, I'll have to try to remember to send it your way here soon. You know what? Bring it down. Bring it down. Yeah. Play, we're going to have another, and then we're going to have another camp Morningwood meeting. We'll talk about it off air. You're going to bring it down. We're going to watch <laughs> the video. We're going to laugh our asses off. Then we're going to go out and eat uh, alligator and pork. Okay. Are you talking? Mm. I haven't had much alligator. Yeah. Um, I had only had alligator tail, but chef Ralph being the culinary God that he is. And one of the senior chefs for camp Morningwood, um, has committed to buying an entire alligator and doing a bacon wrap weave over it and then smoking it. I gotta be honest. I gotta try that shit. <laughs> when is that happening? Um, We'll talk about it off air. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, some of these savage <laughs> listeners that I so love and respect have, have pieced together enough, enough pieces. Like, you know, maybe we need to save a little something for the green room. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you have any other, any other things you want to let the listeners know about grumpy like, or like favorite episodes, favorite episodes. Oh, my favorite episode. I think a lot of people's favorite episodes are, uh, I've only got a couple of them so far, but they're just nope. It's a series called Just Nope. Uh, the worst knives I can put my hands on. Ooh. The, I mean, good knives. People like knives, like knives people want. Jesper Voxnez is S5.5. This is a, a, one of the favorite folding knives in the community. It's a, Typical Voxnez sheep's foot. It's a two hundred and twenty for the micarta version, or three hundred bucks for a titanium version. Um, looks cool. You get it in hand. It's a. Uh, it is not made for my fat paws, and uh, it was rattly, and the micarta was kind of slimy, and I was so pissed. You got to pay extra for that, dude. Well, I was so pissed off at myself for even wanting one of those things that once I got it in my hand. The self-loathing, I just, I flew into a rage. (laughs) I literally recorded that episode about a dozen times. And by the time I I had whittled all of the profanity out of it and uh, all of me slamming the knife down on the the table, um, it was still a a lot more aggressive and just nasty than I wanted it to be. Because I I love Jesper Voxnez's designs for the most part. Um, but that knife just really hit me wrong and I took off and it was, I just tore it apart. So people, and that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons people like, like the channel, or at least they say they like the channel is because, uh, I will always give you an honest review. Um, I don't care what knife it is. My favorite knives, I still have nitpicks on. You're still going to know the little things that bother me about it. The things that I think wouldn't fit other people's hands if they fit my hands, stuff like that. I'm very honest in my reviews, which is probably why I don't have manufacturers beating down my door to give me knives. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, which is also I, mean, I can respect. I mean, I, I mean the the people who are buying knives seem to respect it. So, when I used to do stuff with Equip to Endure, 
And I love their policy of we're going to review your product. Before we post it, we're going to send you the review and you can ask us not to post it. Like their deal was we're going to be absolutely honest, but as a courtesy to you, you can ask us not to post it or you can reapply. So that when they did, when they posted something, it was absolutely honest, but by the same token, they didn't cut your throat. I, uh, if I pay money for it, I'm just going to be honest about it. If somebody's giving me something and want my input on it, I would make them an offer like that. And what I try and tell people is uh, where you really want to engage me, and I think most of the people in this community, is in the design and concept phase. Let me see a prototype, and I'll tell you what I like or don't like about it. But as soon as you send me something that's headed for production, I'm going to be honest about it. But if you get me in on the front end, I can tell you where I think problems will be. So you can produce a better a better end product and uh, make more people happy and maybe not get some of the blowback that I'm seeing on some, some knife and gear makers out there suffering because they're designing in a vacuum. And the smart ones will, even after they release a production knife or whatever, they will still listen to the community. So you'll see there's a lot of V2s out in the community um, because they've taken our input and put it into that next version. Lots of times I think there's a lot of people trying to do too much, something unique and innovative, innovative. And I think that bites people in the butt sometimes. That is part of it sometimes. Definitely. One of the best, I, I guess it was a meme at this point, but it was a, uh, it was an axe with a metal handle and a wood uh, bit. And it said, unique is not always useful. Right. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things I try to remember that, I mean, you've got to make a new design. You, morally, you can't just reproduce somebody else's design, but you also have to be aware of unique and different isn't necessarily useful. Yeah. Um, and, Finding good testers. I mean, I, I really, really lucked out having some friends that were chefs that were coming up through the kitchens that not only would they use it, but they could get other guys in the kitchen to use it. Yeah. I'm a knife maker. I don't have 50 hours a week to use this knife. Having people that do, they could spot things in an hour that would have taken me years to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So finding alpha and beta testers that can use the product and then, and this is what was kind of hard for me because I found a bunch of guys that could use it, but finding guys that can use it and then articulate the information coming back to you, that that's gold. When you can find the guy that can use it and then clearly communicate what he likes, doesn't like, what issues that dude needs to be in your free knife for life club. <laughs> well, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and that's it. That's, that's really all, uh, at least for me, I can't speak for anybody else is, uh, uh, I want people who are buying the knives that I review to feel comfortable that I'm telling them the truth and that if they go out and, and buy this knife, that they're going to have a similar experience. And I want people who are designing or making knives 
to know that um, I'm more than happy to help. You know, if I can you know, give you uh, an idea of what does or doesn't work for me or what I like or don't like or something about what I think might make something a little better, it may just be for me. But it's input that I'm willing to give. Anybody who's willing to listen, I automatically give an extra layer of respect because not everybody out there is willing to put their ego away long enough to have input that they will digest and actually take in. And a lot of people don't want it. So, and I get it. A lot of people are already set in their ways. They already have what they want. And and that's fine too. I'm, I, but the people who are at least willing to listen, I, I just have a little bit of extra respect for them. So. The term my corporate right, wife taught me was not my baby. And it took me a, it took me a little while to kind of onboard that, but I finally realized that as much as every knife I make has a piece of me in it, I also have to realize that it's a product mm-hmm. and I can't get, I need to be emotionally invested in its quality. But when you get feedback, you can't be defensive. You can't be, this is my baby and it's perfect. It's gotta be, right. Oh shit. That might be a hot spot or I need to round that off. And at the, at the same time, you need to understand it may just be for that, that one user and a few others that have the the same ergos or something as them, that it's a problem. And so maybe it's a non-problem, but still just listening and knowing that it's a problem for even a few people. Yeah. One yeah. of the, one of the classic examples is the left-handed knife community. Like a lot of the left-handed knife community is like super, super vocal about left-handed knives. And a lot of companies say like, we make left-handed knives. They just don't sell. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, they well, everybody says they want them, but then they don't buy them. So, well, first of all, we're one, we're fifteen percent of the population, so we're already <laughs> marketing to a pretty small group. Yeah. Secondly, the term is correct-handed knife. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will notice that every sh- I'm, I'm hesitant to say every because some porn dexter is going to find one that wasn't. But nearly every sheath I sell is ambidextrous. Every sheath? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aren't most of the sheaths you sell? Uh, see, there's always one poem, Dexter. With the, exception, <laughs> um, with the exception of the fish and fowl, I think every sheath I'm, I have sold, you can turn it around and use it the other way. Well, I mean, you can. It just wouldn't look very good. Um, notice that I use a lot of JRE squared off sheets now. Hmm. Yeah. 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 The fish and fowl is the exception because it's got this super cool swoopy edge to it. Yeah. There's no way that's going to go the other direction. No, no, it is a hetero directional knife. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, <laughs> should probably start wrapping this puppy up. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I feel like I had a point to make about uh, finding uh, beta and alpha testers, but oh, that was it. Because this this podcast is kind of geared a lot towards makers, I was going to make the point and and get Grumpy's opinion on when you're looking at guys to review. Typically, 
first of all, if, if, if you get a cold call, be polite, but go check out their channel and see if it's the vibe you're looking for. If, if it feels like a good connection, my opinion is if they are pay to play, it's a hard pass for me because they're not given a review. And eventually that's going to come across to their audience that my rule of thumb is they've either got to buy the knife or they got to return the knife at the end of the review period. And if the review period is a couple of weeks, they didn't really review it. Like be prepared to give that knife up for six months. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you want a good solid review of how that knife is going to perform, if you want something about, you know, how it feels in hand, how, how it slices out of the box has stuff like that. That's not truly a review. I mean, that's just me telling you first impressions, but yeah, if you want somebody to actually review and use a knife, you, yeah, you should probably be ready to give it up for about six months is a good, good length of time, I think. And, and I'll say my kind of balance point on is a, a good way to tread the difference is I don't do pay for play. Like that's, if somebody's pay for play, they're not giving you a legitimate review and a bit, eventually that's going to come through. What I will do is at the end of six months, it's a used blade. Like they can send it back to you, but it's a used blade. At the end of six months that they really liked the blade, sell it to them at a used blade cost. Mm -hmm. Then it's not pay for play, but it is, it, it runs the gray zone of you're not giving them anything that they didn't earn. You're not buying their opinion, right. but you're also acknowledging, Hey, you did something for me. You really like the knife and its value has been degraded by its use. Send it back to me. The value is still going to be degraded. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a good tack to take on it too. I mean, if you're, if you're wanting somebody to get out there and beat on an E5 or a bushcrafter or one of those, um, and really, really see how it's going to perform in a, a longer run sort of scenario. Not just me taking it out to do a few feather sticks and uh, <laughs> doing an a couple of things, but right. <laughs> um, but uh, get it out and actually work it. Um, that, that just takes time. And uh, like for me is just a lot of that time is just finding the time to get out in the woods to actually use it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you know, the, uh, the bigger knives and stuff like that, I'm having a hard time right now getting out and, and doing some of those things with it. And, uh, I need to do it more. I need to get out and I need to be outside more. Some of that stuff, cutting big limbs and everything like that. Like I feel bad, uh, doing some of that testing, like destroying vegetation and stuff that doesn't need to be destroyed or trimmed or whatever and it would devour your corpse if you died tomorrow that plant would absorb your energy and grow through you like a year from now you would find it intertwined in your ribs it doesn't give a shit about you you should not be afraid to just hack <laughs> off another limb all right 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I keep, I keep a bunch of uh, downed limbs and stuff in the backyard for just such occasions. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I feel like I've made everybody uncomfortable enough that we should just adapt this up now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you want to tell uh, everybody where they can find you? You can uh, find me here on YouTube. Like I said, Grumpy Grunt. Uh, I will send Kyle the 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 address for the channel, and uh, also on Instagram at grumpy at grumpy dot grunt. That's it. Those are the only two I mess with. Nice. <laughs> and uh, you can keep in touch with the podcast at knifeperspective.com. Yeah, uh, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Knife Perspective, and you can find the podcast everywhere that you're listening iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In Radio, iHeartRadio, and even the website. So uh, you can keep in touch with Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives at dogwoodcustomknives.com, Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram, Dan at custom Ni- or Dan at dogwoodcustomknives.com as an email, maybe? Hopefully. By the time this airs, <laughs> maybe, I maybe, might yes, be able to no. get it. <laughs> and you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Knives, and Cage Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and uh, Kyle at uh, CageDailyKnives.com for that email. So thank you, Grumpy. It's been a uh, fun time talking with you, and glad to see you again. Thank you, Kyle and Dan. I appreciate the invite to come on, man. It's always good to see you guys. Say goodnight, Kyle. Good night, Kyle. Well, let's take it to the edge, cause that's what's expected in this discussion. This is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're gonna talk about.